here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everybody, it's episode two of Open Voice Gate. I've already messed up, so that's a good start. Um, and we're already all making each other laugh. So if you like laughs and giggles and laughs, this is the podcast for you. Um, I'm John, of course. We have with us the entire panel: Shane, Jules, and Case. Everybody's here. Say hi, everybody. Hi. Hey guys. Hi, everybody. <coughs> Sorry. See, Casey's the only one who did that correctly. Um, so this is episode two of Open the Voice Gate, which I said already. First of all, before we do say anything else, I wanted to send a huge thank you to the listeners out there in internet land for making episode one a smashing success. Like, have you guys seen our like latest numbers? Do you know how many people downloaded that first episode? Nope. 1.7 thousand. What? Yes. 1,700 people listened to that first episode. 1,700 people? Yes. That's so I don't many. Think, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I've ever had that many hits on one of my fan pages, so like... It's, it was pretty... They were, I, they were talking about it... Uh, Joe was talking about it on the Voices of Wrestling uh, flagship podcast the other night, where he basically said... We did more listens than the Dragon Gate shows used to do buys on Ustream. 
So Which I don't know what that's sad, just because it reminded me that I really miss Ustream, and now I'm forced to struggle with Nico Nico, and that really bothers me. Yeah, no, it's it does suck. I miss Ustream too. I have to pay like an extra four dollars a month just to be able to put it in full screen. <laughs> I use uh, John's Nico account, and I was able to use full screen because I'm too cheap to pay for premium. But no, not he paid for full screen. Case, we're, case, I'm hanging up on you because I'm going to call you back in a sec because your call sounds really weird. Hold on. <laughs> I'll I'll have to cut this dead space out of the podcast. Case, case try talking now. Okay, do I still sound weird? A little bit, but not as bad. Okay, hold on. Let me try to fix my mic. Okay. Um, So while Case tries to get his life together, um, I guess we can talk about, like, what's been up with us in the past few weeks. Anyone have any exciting tales of their lives to share? Jules? I'm looking for apartments, and it's not going well. Really? Is it, like, a financial thing? No, it's not a financial thing. It's just that there's too much demand for too little offer. So every time I visit an apartment, there's like 15 other people that are on it, and I never get it. That does sound like it's uh, that sounds like New York, honestly. Well, it's not but. New York; it's like the the suburbs of Paris, but it's terrible. Yeah. No, I feel you. But I'm I'm surviving, you know. You're a survivor. Yeah. Also, I, I finished my goddamn research paper, so that's. A weight off my chest. How wasn't that like your memoir or something? Yep, that's the memoir that had me like ripping my hair out for the past like month, and I'm finally done with it. So that's cool. Uh, hey, I'm glad. Hey, Jules, like tell people what your memoir was because I had to ask you what it was because in America, memoir does not mean what I thought it did because in America memoir is like the story of your life and that's not what that was and I thought that's what you were writing for the longest time until you told me and I'm like oh that's not at all what I thought it was actually <laughs> no in France it's like basically university you have undergrad that's three years and we call that a license and in order to validate your license you have to write a memoir and that's like a research paper that's like 30 pages on one subject Okay, see, I I did think you were writing about yourself, too, so I'm glad Shane had the foresight to have you clear that up. So, you know, on Open the Voice Gate, we also do information about the French school system. Yeah. <laughs> Something for everyone. Uh, Shane, what's been up with you? Uh, work. I work, third, yeah. I work third shift at Meyer, which is like a big box store that's really huge, except it's like, I don't know, a high-end version of Walmart. And my boss was gone for an entire week because he had blood pressure issues. So we were all mildly panicking about what was going to happen, which was like, he let, like he came in one Tuesday night and was there for like five minutes. And the next thing I know, I'm being told he went to the hospital and he didn't come back for the rest of the week. Oh, why you guys actually (sighs) like your boss? No, but he's one of the fastest (laughs) workers in the store. So we kind of need him. I see. So it was like, it was like a, without him, what are we going to do kind of thing. Yeah, it's not that he's not a nice guy, it's that um, he, from night to night, he either accounts as like two people or half of one person. So he's either getting a lot of stuff done or he's standing around talking to people, and it's usually standing around talking to people. Um, (laughs) I don't know, I guess a cool thing that's been happening is that I actually came out to a bunch of people at work, 
So and that went so I, that went well. Yeah, so I'm not getting called my dead name nearly as much as I was be- before. Um, it's a lot less people. It's usually just the managers now. Um, people are actually using my correct pronouns, so that's actually been like really cool, kind of just a nice thing to get to go to work to because my family does not know because they're prejudiced and there's no point in telling them. So that's kind of been a nice little change that's happened. Well, that's good. I'm really happy for you. Yeah. I know some sometimes some of the sometimes when you tell people, I feel like you're surprised by the reaction. You know, like you you can assume someone is going to have a negative reaction and they end up not really having a negative reaction. But I don't know if that if it's like that with you at work or anything. Oh, oh yeah. I think I think um, I think there's a lot of people who've been. Who you, it's not unusual to expect a negative reaction because, like, that's something you have to actively be worried about happening because it's something that can happen and happens frequently. And it's, you know, a little... When it's your place of business, it's, like, a little more worrisome because then, like, you don't... Because you have to come here and work with these people. So, like, if it's if it's a negative reaction, then that's going to make things incredibly difficult. Right. Well, I'm glad I went well. Um, so Case, what's been going on with you? Uh, not much. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Dragon Gate lately, uh, both old and new, and I'm here to talk about it, so I'm excited for today. And I just took, like, a three-hour nap, so I'm really ready to go. (laughs) That's right, you had a half-day at school again. Why does your school have a half-day, like, every Friday? No, I wish it's just fallen... (laughs) It's been nice because both times we've recorded, we've been on Fridays, and I've had half days, and I think this was the last half day of the year, so I'm no longer that lucky. But, you know, when I get home at 11.30 on a Friday, it's a nice afternoon. I get to go home and just not do anything for a while. Yeah. So so people who don't know or don't remember, Case is literally a high schooler. <laughs> so we have a high schooler on the podcast. <laughs> but the funniest thing is when I listen back to the episodes – he sounds the oldest to me. Yep. Like, he sounds older than I do when I'm, like, much older than he is. So, that's just entertaining. Um, so, I guess I can talk about what I've been up to lately. I went on vacation. It was cool. Went to Foxwood, which is, like, this um, casino resort in Connecticut on, like, Indian land. Because I don't know if... Jules probably doesn't know this. I don't know if the other two of you do. But, like, certain Indian tribes are allowed to open casinos on their land. Is like, kind of like the American government being like, sorry, we killed you. But, I mean, the, the it's really, really, really nice. It's just really weird that you go all the way up. You basically take a train from New York all the way up into, like, the middle of nowhere, Connecticut. And you just see a forest all around you. So you're literally in a forest. But in the middle of this forest, you have this big, like, casino. <laughs> it's very interesting, but um, I did my first ever spa day. That was awesome. Had like a massage and everything. It was great, and I won a lot of money. So tell them about the bathroom because I remember you oh, tweeting we... about the bathroom. And now when you said the name of the place, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what they're talking about now. You know, I, I made I made jokes about it on Twitter, and then someone pointed out to me that that the thing I was making jokes about was probably like an accessibility thing. So I don't know if I really feel comfortable making jokes about it still. Yeah. But, yeah, there was a phone by the toilet, and it was kind of funny. But um, the bathroom was awesome, though, because it had, like, a giant-ass hot tub in it, which was cool. Because, like, I'm a fairly tall person. I'm, like, almost 6'2". What? So I can't... 
Yeah, I'm very tall. So I can't fit in tubs usually. Like, I'm just too tall. But I could fit in this one. So that was nice. I got to actually take a bath for the first time in, like, probably 15 years or something. But, um, you know, which is not to say I usually shower people. It's like I walk around. I don't walk around dirty. But, no, I mean, um, I took I got to take a bath. It was pretty cool. And then, I, like I said, I won a lot of, I won a lot of money playing craps, which is a fun game. And then, in fact, I won so much money that I'm now thinking of going to Japan in April on Alan Farrell's trip for the week of Invasion Attack. I know I really want to do it, and I'm I'm leaning towards doing it if I can get everything done, and, like get my passport and everything in time, but we'll see. But it'd be cool because I can go to – Dragon Gate has a Kirkin show that week, uh, April 7th. So I can go to the April 7th Kirkin. I can go to Invasion Attack for New Japan, a New Japan Kirkin on April 1st. And then if no, and then Noah hasn't even announced your schedule yet, so if they can, if they're running a show in that area that week, obviously I'll go to that too. That's so. That sounds really cool. I hope you get to go. Yeah, I'm ho- I'm hoping. You know, I mean, just the fact that I want all this money made it financially possible, basically. So, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that was that was my couple of weeks. That sounds fun. It was pretty good. It was the best couple of weeks I've had in a while, probably. <laughs> Um, so we should talk about Dragon Gate, I guess. I think that's why we're here. Because they've had a pretty crazy week. They have. Um, Kirk and Hall, that was, well, last night in Japan, kind of. Um, time is weird. <laughs> so the Dragon Gate Kirk and show. Um, we've all seen it now, right? I'm all, well, yeah, we have. Because yep. Case was the last one who saw it. Um, so before we get into the main thing, you know, the the show, the, the main event, the show angle, all that stuff, we can talk about some of the other matches. Um, the opening, the opening contest was Shima, Ita, and Takahiro Yamamura of Overgeneration taking on Jimmy Kanda and Jimmy Kness of the Jimmies and their partner, UT. Um, now, Case, I noticed when I read your review of this show that you did not really care for UT's performance in this match. So I was hoping to get you to um, elaborate on that. What what issue did you take with UT in this match? I never really care for UT. Um, He's a guy that I want to like because he was in the Millennials, and, you know, he's he's of – I like the young Dragon Gate wrestlers, and I like their style and sort of how they develop. But UT's just never, ever been of interest to me. And now you're seeing him without a unit, and you're seeing him get pinned left and right. And then it looks like they're trying to start something with him and overgeneration, Yamamura and Ishida especially. Uh, but after the match, after it was submitted by Eita, uh, he got into a little scrap with Yamamura and then just completely looked like a geek because he ended up losing their little tussle and then got dropkicked by Punch Tamanaga out of nowhere. So UT is just hard for me. It's hard for me to care about UT because – He's not relevant in anything right now. Uh, but from a technical standpoint, he was fine in the match, but he's nowhere near as good as uh, Yamamura and Ishida, and he's been wrestling for two years longer than they have. See, I think you're a little hard on UT. I actually like him in the ring most of the time. I think he does suffer from a charisma deficiency and like really isn't anything at all on the microphone, which is more important in Dragon Gate than it is in most other promotions especially in japan but um yeah i don't know i thought he was good in the match actually i enjoyed him kind of getting the crap kicked out of him getting 
he did a very good job looking very frustrated. Like, he did a very good job looking angry and mad that he couldn't get the better of this kid, Yamamura. Uh, what do you think, Jules? Uh, you know, I really, I, you know, I really liked all the ex-millennials. And I want to see them do well. But it's just so obvious that they have no idea what to do with poor UT, that it's just laughable at this point to me. And I really like kind of hope that there's something that kind of comes out of his um, his little fight with Yamamura, like maybe some saltiness at being left out of over generation while Eita and Lindemann were picked for it or something like that. But I just need them to do something with UT because I really like him and I think that if they manage to find some kind of direction for him to go, that would maybe like open some people's eyes to what he can do because I really like him and I I feel very protective of him. Okay, here's a question. Would he work as a heel? I think so. Honestly, I, I would really like to see that. Yeah, I think I, I think he would too and I would like to see it too. But I guess we'll see. Uh, Shane, what did you think of the the opener or any feelings on UT? I, I, honestly, once I saw Kness was out there, I pretty much shut out everybody else, which sounds <laughs> terrible. But but no, because, you, you know, you guys, you three in particular, maybe not all the listeners yet, but you three in particular, you know the Jimmies mean a lot to me. They're my favorite unit. And when it came out that Kness was hurt, that was like a blow, and I was really upset because, you know, he got back with the Jimmies, um... And I'm like, you know, if they actually wanted to do anything with him and Susumu after Susumu loses to Shingo, um, that would that could have been derailed. Like, and I was like so bummed and so upset. And when I and I checked the card before the show because I'm guilty of like not knowing what any of the matches were before the main event. So I checked it. and I'm like, why is he on the card? The last thing I heard was that he got pulled from like everything, and I had assumed he'd been pulled from this show too. And then when he came out and started wrestling, I pretty much blocked out everybody else and was just keeping an eye on him to make sure that he was actually okay and that he wasn't trying to, like, wrestle through an injury. But I did like the end where UT kind of got his butt kicked by a small child. <laughs> because, yeah, and the thing is, the thing is, Yamamura, Yamamura is not the one that everyone talks about, which is why I thought it was funnier. Because from what I've seen, most people are talking about Kaito Ishida. And they're really impressed by him, and he's the one that everyone out of the two of them really seems to like, at least everyone that I've seen. So it was kind of nice to see uh, Yamamura get something in there, and poor UT getting drop-kicked and just knocked over. And But I do think they're going to eventually do something with him, because there's no way that they would job him out this many times and have people get the better of him. And I know Mochi was, like, degrading him and making fun of him, so they're obviously going to do something with him. I just don't think they know what yet. Because they have so many people who are unitless right now because of the main event. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I what, what? him in a in a scenario where he sort of turns into Katoka 2.0, where <laughs> if he turns heel, even then he's not necessarily taken seriously. But it's so absurd that he finds success in that role. Because even the millennials, I mean, he was in that initial takeover with Tiok and Eita, and then, like, Rocky Lobo came in, and he was there for a while, and then once Flamita comes in, UT gets totally left in the dust because he's just not on the level of those three. And I almost feel like that's very similar to Katoko's career path, and I think something 
something could be there in the future for UT. It's just a real punk heel. Shane. All right, so. I just want to like, say I really like how you said that UT got his butt kicked like by a small by a small child, and you say that like UT isn't a small child himself. He's a small child, but Yamamura is a smaller child. True. On the scale of children, <laughs> Yamamura and Kaito are at the bottom right now because they are the littlest, and then the millennials in various order, and then, like, everybody else. I like Shane's so, quote of, the Jimmys mean a lot to me, and then, like, pause to, like, really let it sink in emotionally, and then be <laughs> continued with their point. So, um, there was a little awkward pause there, probably, because Case's mic is being weird, but we apologize. Um, so do we have any other thoughts about the opener or no? I think you pretty much covered it, right? Mm. Now let's move on. You know, it's... All right. It just... Sorry, Jules, go yeah, ahead. It just continues to be... It's funny how the, these matches, everybody is better than UT, but these matches are still very much about UT. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So, like, I mean, UT, you can't say that he's not a focus on the shows, it's just the focus is about how bad he is. So it's, yeah. yeah. You know, it's an interesting didn't, character. Didn't Seahawk beat him with, like, a face lock on a show recently? So. Things. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I'm sure. <laughs> One quick or, thing. Um, I want to see more submission maneuvers out of Ada. Me too. Um, oh I feel like I feel like I feel like that's what's gonna work for him. Like he can do <laughs> the high flying stuff. He can do the flippy stuff. You know, everyone in Dragon Gate can do that. But where they've been like showing off his submissions lately, I think that they need to just keep going in that direction because he can do some really cool ones. He's really flexible. A lot of people in Dragon Gate, almost everyone is really flexible. So let him bend everybody into a pretzel. And I think that's going to work better for him than, like, anything else because, you know, he's smaller than T-Hawk because T-Hawk can use, like, can throw people around because he's, like, buffed up right now. And Ada's smaller, and I think it works better for him to just twist people up in the 14 different directions. And I do stand by what I said um, on Twitter when he had his match with Katoka. His calf killer is way better than AJ Styles, so. <laughs> I, lo- I really, really like the Numero Uno, you know? which he finished this match with. He got the submission on UT. Um, um, it's such a cool submission finisher. So Shane, Shane, I think it was with you that I talked uh, about this actually, about how in for me, Atat can kind of work the same style as. Uh, sorry, I'm diverging a little bit into YouTube. For, to me, Atat could really work the same style as Kushida. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of similarities there. They're really similar in build and style, too. So, like, it wouldn't be unusual for Ada to be able to pull off some of that. Yeah, just a little parenthesis that I just wanted to make. Okay. So, I think that's the opener. We pretty much covered that well. Um, <laughs> match two saw podcast favorite Al Lindemann <laughs> taking on Kenichio Arai. Yeah. Now, now, Case, you, like, identified this belt that... Uh, Arakin came out with. What belt is it? That's the uh, Asuka Project Championship. I'm assuming you say it like the NXT Superstar. Um, I only know that because I looked at a Rise cage match when doing the review yesterday, and that was listed <laughs> as the title he was holding. Um, whatever it is, I'm sure the Yakuza probably runs it. I'm sure it takes place in some <laughs> dark, dark alleys in Yokohama. And I'm sure those shows are never making tape. But he proudly wore that belt to the ring. That belt looks so, like, 
that might have been the indiest looking belt I've ever seen. Mm-mm. I was like, wow, they're right, right there. Someone set out to make an indie title, and they succeeded. I, act- so. I actually knew of Oscar Project because. I don't know, I guess I followed the right people on Twitter. I, ha- I follow a couple random photographers who do the Dragon Gate shows. And I know their posters have popped up on my timeline before. I had never had any desire to go see what it was, but I knew of it. So, there's that. Well, who all- do you know any other wrestlers in it? Because I'm curious. No, because I've seen all the pictures and names, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know who any of you people are. Which isn't really, you know, I mean, I follow a lot of Japanese promotions, but there's literally as many in Japan as there are in America. So it's entirely possible there's, like, 20 or 30 more I have not even seen the names of yet. Because I follow, like, the big six or seven for Puro and Joshi and because they're the easiest ones to get to. And then all the smaller ones are a lot harder to come by. I'm sure I'm sure it's been on Occupation of the Indies or something. So mm-hmm. someone who's an Occupation of the Indies regular viewer can write in and tell us if, uh, if they've seen Asuka Project. Um, okay, so... Arakan against Linda Mann. It was a decent match, I guess. It wasn't really anything special. I mean, Arakan is old, you know. Like, what are you gonna? I, I've, I've never been a big Arakan <laughs> fan, even when, even when he was younger, which is just um. I don't know what it is about him. It's just there's something about him that like just never appealed to me, especially during when he was a babyface. When he turned heel and joined Real Hazard. And then they became deep drunkers or whatever. He was a little better to me just because at least he had like these crazy weapons matches that no one else was doing at the time. But and I liked his Ara. I liked his team with Iwasa too, Ara Iwa. But like he just never did anything for me as a babyface singles wrestler, um, which is what he was again here. So I don't know. Wasn't in his match at all. I'm glad Linda Man won though. I mean, if Linda Man, if Linda Man had lost that match, I would have like had a one-man riot in my house. You had any so. doubt about that? I, I didn't, but it, it was possible. It's Dragon Gate. I mean, I'm pretty sure the main event all put us in our places about assuming we can see yeah, where Dragon Gate's I mean, going with anything. Yeah, like, but that match, that match didn't have nearly an, as much impact as the main event did. Of course not, but they still do goofy, weird wins every now and then. Like, that's one of the things that's been a part of their history. Like, we, like, I still, like, I I don't know, Linda getting pinned, period, right now still seems weird to me, but it's happened. Yeah, Yeah, but it was Jimmy Susumu, not Kenichiro Arai. (laughs) That's a good point. Alright, so, anyone else have thoughts on this singles match? It went seven minutes, by the way. Uh, I I thought it was fun. I liked the contrast between the two of Arai's just sleezing things up and corking, and Linda Man's, you know, so pretty and has such nice facial structures and just awesome cheekbones, and it was a real interesting clash there. Um, and I like the match, and I also I like a rye, and I really like game with a Wasa uh, when that was going on. So I don't know. I gave it uh, three and a quarter in my Voice of Wrestling review, but I seem to be a little high on that, maybe. Yeah, I would have given like two and a half probably. I, I, so. I said on the, I said on our um, podcast Twitter that he's there, that Arakan's there, and he does his job, but I don't really care about him, and I'm glad Linda beat him. Jules, you have any thoughts on it? Um, maybe went a little too long. Yeah. That was just my one kind of concern. But, I mean, nothing ever goes too long for me when Linda Man is in the ring. But, <laughs> I mean, it didn't need to be as long as it was. And it was like like eight minutes or something. 
Yeah, seven seventeen. Yeah. I will say, watching an elderly man run away and call timeouts on like, <laughs> and Linda is small. Like Linda's small. Like you're getting chased by a guy wearing cherry blossom tides through the venue, and you literally like ran away from him. Like it was, he's like timeout, timeout, and then he's like, no, no, I'm gone. I'm taking off. Went through the curtains. And then came back was... through the curtains, and I'm like, "This is some Chikara crap right here." <laughs> that was my first thought because they had a they had a spot in one of their matches with like magic, uh, magic entrance doors, and they were going in and out of them. And I'm like, "Oh my god, this reminds me exactly of that match." <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So that was Linda Man and Kenichiro Rai. <laughs> um, match three was Gamma and Punch Tomonaga against. Naoki Tanizaki and Mondai Ryu. No. Um, <laughs> now, Case, you did not like this match either in your voice wrestling review. Um, so explain yourself here. Hey, you know, it was funny when I was watching it. I was like, because one of the things that I think is amazing about Dragon Gate is how everyone on the roster has at least a smidge of talent. There's no bad wrestler on the roster. But when you throw in Gamma Punch and Mondai Ryu in the same match, your roster looks pretty thin, and I thought this match, even at eight minutes, went on a little too long. I was just not entertained by it, and it really stuck out to me that Tanizaki, since joining Berserk, has fallen flat and hasn't done anything, and that really sucks because he's really good. It shows every time he's out there that he's really good. Yeah, yeah I wish they did more with him, too. <laughs> but, I um, completely agree what are you with that. Do? Aoki is a heel, especially he's one of my favorite wrestlers, so... Yeah. It bums me out that he's not doing much. I, I said last time that I really love the work he's been doing as a character of Berserk and how he really embodies the spirit of that unit. And it kind of sucks that the only thing he's doing is teaming with goddamn Mondai Ryu. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had to break up that Kong Ryu team because they couldn't do anything together. Get them the back end, together. Which, is, which is weird because like they, they broke up the team, but neither one of them turned. And they're both still in the same unit. It's just a weird little thing they did. But, um, so Naoki and Mondai Ryu, I mean, yeah, Monchan is Monchan at this point. Like, he's never going to be any good. He's funny at what he does, I guess. Um, I usually don't really have a problem with him, especially in tags and stuff. But he was kind of whatever in this match. Um, I'm way less hostile towards the Gama Tomonaga team than I think Case is. Like, I really, I think they're kind of funny together. Yeah. And I, I kind of I enjoy watching them together, but I I agree that eight and a half minutes was probably a little too long for a match against friggin' Monchan. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I I the match was okay though. I didn't really have a big problem with it. It was you know, Gamma was Gamma. Yes, I liked it. I thought <clears throat> I thought it was fun. Um, I, I got shit for thinking that Gamma and Punch were going to win, though. Like, me and um, Alan the Rogue on Twitter were going back and forth over that, because we go back and forth over Monday Ryu all the time. And I'm like, I would absolutely love for Gamma and Punch to get a win here. And Alan was like, that's not that's not going to happen, because this is the... This is the... Something about Berserk getting the win, because they weren't going to win one of the other matches, and then they ended up not winning any of them until the end. But, like, that's besides the point. But, like... I don't know. I think Gamma and Punch are a cute team. I know I've seen around people calling them the Hobo Wizard and the Pocket Mage. And it's, <laughs> it's so it's, cute. It's cute. That's better than Julian his niece. I really like that. <laughs> it's, it's so it's so cute. And like I don't know. I've really like I didn't like Punch 
for a long time. But I don't know, something about him being a face, just like, I don't know, it appeals to me. It's adorable. And, like, seeing that the crowd, like, really loves him. I don't understand why he's as over as he is. I don't, because... No one does. I don't, I don't know what happened. I mean, I'm sure it was the feud with Berserk that really kicked it off, because I know that they, like, really got behind him when he absolutely would not stop trying to beat them, even though they killed him every single time. But they really like him, and it's, you know, it's nice to see him get a win, and he looked really, really happy to get the win, and, you know, Over Generation was so proud of him, and I'm like, that's such a cute moment, but man, Tanizaki is suffering right now. Yeah. He is absolutely Over, Over Generation's like, a really cool unit, like, I like how they're starting uh, shows in the opening match with, like, a big promo, and then the kid comes out and rings the bell, like, I don't know, something about watching that year series, like, made me really happy, and I really like that unit and everyone in it besides Gamma. Case with his gamma hate is not endorsed by the rest of this podcast. <laughs> um, I have no, because gamma is gamma's never been my favorite wrestler or anything, but I enjoy him as just being a wacky man. I don't know, I've always enjoyed him. But poor Tanizaki got spit on during the match. Yes, Two different times they got the water spit on him, and then he like gamma like tried to spit in his face, but he like threw his hands up, and then gamma rubbed his own hands in his face, and I'm like this poor man. And I'm like, why are you doing this to him when Monde Ryu is right there to take all of the punishment? Like, why are you making Tanizaki suffer the embarrassment when nobody even likes Monde Ryu? Just make him suffer. No, that's not true. Out on the road. Though. I know, which is so. Which is so <laughs> I don't. I, I don't understand. If there, there is no one I understand less. I think in Dragon Gate fandom than a Mondai Ryu fan. <laughs> like, what are you a fan of exactly? He carries a bucket of salt. He's bad. His entire gimmick is that he's bad. His theme song is every veteran on the roster booing him out of the building because he's terrible. Like, the only, what is there to... the only good thing about Monday Ryu is for is um food coordinator dragon. That's the only good thing. <laughs> Although it right. should be a crime to put a mask over Yamato's face. Yes, but then you get to appreciate the rest of Yamato. Well, his face I is covered up. I always appreciate the rest of Yamato. <laughs> Do not get it twisted. All right, so that was that match. Um, the next match was the greatest tag team in wrestling, Don Fuji and Yosuke Santa Maria <laughs> against Cybercon Katoka. Yeah. I love this match. Like, I don't even know if I can overstate how much I love this match because, first of all, I love the team of Fuji and Maria. Second of all, I have turned the corner on Katoka, I think, where I really, I still don't think he's that great in the ring, but his character work is so amazing, and he is such a great, like, he's just so great at being this little bastard who is no good at, who is no good at anything, and just is so proud of being a little cheating Brave Gate champion. I just, I love Katoka now, I can't help it, but, um, Welcome so to his, club. And, and his team with Cyber Kong is great because you have the he's, you basically have the little asshole with the big giant monster guy looking out for him. So that's always a good thing in wrestling, I think. But um, and then the Fuji Maria team is just like you know the Fuji Maria team is awesome. They're so like, that much is, fun. Love they them. are so cool together, right? Yeah. yeah, it's it's wonderful. And as I I mean I I'm as I wrote in my review, Maria becoming sort of a serious threat to Kotoka and his Brave Gate Championship is so awesome. Um, Maria's Brave Gate match against Geki Horiguchi a few years ago was great, and I can't wait for this eventual Maria Kotoko match. I'm hoping 
that it, if it takes place at Champion Gate, then it takes place at the Champion Gate that makes tape, and if not, then dead or alive. Uh, but I'm really excited to see the eventual blow-off of these two going at it. I yeah. am so excited for this. And I'm I'm so excited for everything that's been happening with Maria lately. Like, I can, like, I don't even have words for how happy I am about how she's been booked. Like she's just yes. picking up falls left and right, and she's badass, and I'm so happy. I'm so excited for this Brave Gate match, and I know she's mo- most likely not winning, but I will be behind her 100%. Yeah, I mean, I'm really... Point, uh, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off there, but I, I want to bring this up. Do you guys think at some point... Um, she drops the Maria character and goes back to being Watanabe, or does she I stay as not, not. I hope not. I hope not. I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I don't want her that, ever to drop is, the character. That would be terrible. That would absolutely be the worst thing in the world. Like, she gained so much traction with this character. The fans love her. She does the gimmick so well. Why in the world would they want to jinx that and go back to a nothing gimmick? Because, I mean... Yosuke Watanabe was a nothing gimmick. That's why they changed it in the first place. And I want to point out, too, for the people, there were people out there who were like, well, you could never do anything serious with this character. She's been pitting people left and right. I don't see anybody complaining. You know? I love that Nidayuchi move that she uses. Yeah. I love it. That's what she, that's what she got the pin with again, I think, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's what she's been getting pins with, like, for a few weeks now. She pinned Tanizaki with it as well. Yeah. And that one looks particularly brutal, which I love. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I would, I hope that she keeps this character and this gimmick for a long time. Cause I would love for this character to, you know, it's always going to be some sort of comedic character, but I want to see the character get more respect from the roster than she is getting right now. And she's obviously also, not, what? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. She's obviously got um, starting to get um, some people in her corner with, you know, Mochi showing respect to her and Fuji being kind of a mentor to her and, like, you know, grabbing her ass. But (laughs) I don't think it can be overstated that when you have a younger character in Japan getting respect from the older roster members, that's a much bigger deal in Japan than it would be in here like America because Japanese culture, they're really big about respecting your elders. So if you have the elders returning that respect, it's an even bigger deal and it's a bigger show of faith. And you don't have the um, older members of the roster showing that kind of respect to everyone on the roster. So it does say a lot. Cough, cough, UT. Cough, cough. Yeah. I was going to say cough, cough, Kotoku. He got kicked in the head five minutes in the main event and he was gone. <laughs> but, um... But I, I, and I don't, I don't think this can be overstated because I know it, that they don't view Maria's character the same in Japan as they do in the Western world, like in America, and I know over in Europe. But her character is that of a transgender woman, and there's no real way to get around that when you look at it through a Western perspective, because that's the situation. So to have Dragon Gate take her seriously and to give her these opportunities is really important. I know, you know, to a lot of people because you're seeing someone who represents you out there and they're getting taken seriously and they're getting title opportunities and they're getting respect from people. And I don't know, that just means a lot to me. And I think it's a big deal that they're doing that because I don't think that's something that would necessarily happen in most wrestling promotions. 
Yep. Yeah, and not only are they doing that, but they're doing it with A, her as a baby face. Yep. B, her in like, you know, I don't, this this weird relationship with Don Fuji, it's not, it's treated as like just Don Fuji likes her. And it's not weird at all for Don Fuji to like her, you know? So it's really progressive the way they're presenting yeah, it, I think. Yeah, the character, the character was treated like absolute garbage for the longest time. Like, the joke would be that she's, like, air quotes, disgusting and nobody wants anything to do with her. That was the way that it started. And you, even, like, her own stablemates in the Millennials didn't want anything to do with her. And now she's just, like, getting that respect and I am all for it. She's yeah. full of life, she's full of body positivity, and she's killing it. Yeah. So um, so she got the pen on Katoka. Really fun match, I thought, and I can't wait for the Brave Gate match. I, I would pay money just to watch Don Fuji beat the crap out of Katoka. Because <laughs> so... it's funny. I think Don Fuji just, like, slapping people that he doesn't like is funny. Like, I remember in the Joy Darts match, he just turned around and tried to slap Yamato out of literally nowhere. And Yamato had to, like, lean back off the ropes. And I think it's funny to watch him just be absolutely fed up with people. And Kotoka sells it really well. Like, he sells it like he's literally being murdered. Yeah. That's... Like, screaming and, like, trying to crawl away. <laughs> he, but he's not smart enough not to turn around and try to mess with Fuji again. And in literally the worst position, he'll stop to do his blessing and then, boom, right in the face. And then he's just, like, dead on the mat. I actually just wanted to bring that, that up really quickly, which is something that made me die of laughter when I was watching, I think it was the January 17th show, um, during um, Maria and Fuji, and it, it was against uh, Tanizaki, and that's the match where Maria pinned Tanizaki, and I know that Kotoka was involved in it in some way. And at some point, you can just see, like, Don Fuji's just, like, throwing him around at ringside like a goddamn ragdoll. I think he was just on the outside. I think he was just, like, the second. Yeah, that's, and Don prob- that's Fuji probably still, like, that, Yeah, that's probably it. And Don Fuji's still like, I'm going to get this motherfucker anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just, that. like, throwing him around like Kotoka was a fucking blow-up doll. It was so funny. And I, I love Don Fuji so much, you guys. I, yes, I think I think the entire world does. Like, mm. I don't want to meet the person who hates Don Fuji. Because that person is just, like, they're the blackest of souls, I think. <laughs> Truly. There are people that I know don't like Dragon Gate that like Don Fuji, so he's got that working for him. I think he's the most universally liked wrestler on the roster, and if not him, then Shima. That's yeah. cool. Um, Alright, so, the semi-main event. We had Jimmy Susumu, Ryu Jimmy Saito, and Genki Horiguchi, H-A-G, me, against Yamato, Naraki Doi, and Shingo Takagi. Um, so basically you had an, yet another... Susumu Shingo warm up match before the February fourteenth Dreamgate title match at Hakata Star Lanes. Um this was this was a really good six fan tag, I thought. And you had a couple of themes in there that were really cool where you had like Shingo attacking Susumu's arm constantly. Like that's clearly all he cared about was his attacking the arm. And that's apparently like in in every skirmish they've had, it's been Shingo attacking Susumu's arm. So, um we talk about the Osaka show. He did it there too. And that's really all he cares about. And you can see it worked to a degree. By the end of the match, Suzumu's Jumbo Nokachi Lariats did not have the same effect on Shingo they normally would have. So it's a it's a good strategy by the bully of Dragon Gate. But in the end, Suzumu got the pin anyway. 
with a cutback on Shingo going for Made in Japan. So Susumu continues to pin Shingo at every turn, but Shingo continues to destroy Susumu's arm. Honestly, um, that that match made me so uncomfortable in so many I'm, ways. Honestly, I am just like waiting in the actual title match. I'm just waiting for Shingo to literally rip off Susumu's arm and beat him to death with it. Like, <laughs> that's that's what it's all leading to. That, there was a part. There was a part in that match, and I talked to Jules about it. That made me. <laughs> that made me question what was going on. Okay, because when when in Dragon Gate, you, you they jump in and out of that ring constantly to break up submissions and pins and all sorts of stuff. And at one point, Yamato had. I think it was Yamato. Uh, I think it was this spot. It might have been a different one. I don't know, but because they destroyed his arm a lot, Susumu's arm. And like at one point, Yamato, I do believe, is when he had him in the arm breaker. And in the middle of the ring, and he was just holding him there, and Susumu was, like, struggling, and, like, Doi and Shingo were there. And Saito and Horiguchi were literally standing and watching it happen. Like, I think Saito was on the floor, Horiguchi was on the apron, and they were just watching it happen. And I'm like, why aren't you, like, getting in there and doing anything about it? Because maybe not even five minutes later, when Saito went for the cycling Yahoo, Yamato was like, no, and was in there in, like, five seconds, broke it up immediately, and it was over. And I'm like, it's a really weird story to tell. Because I know that's like I said, like, oh, the, it's a heel tactic for the heels to break up the submission moves. But it's, you know, it, when you're in a company like Dragon Gate where you have units and you have unity and you're supposed to have each other's backs. It seems, unity. It seems really weird to stand there and watch one of your guys, like, get his arm struck. Because his arm had already taken a lot of punishment. They pulled all the padding off of it. They'd already, Shingo had already, like, beat it with steel chairs. He, you know, and they were literally just watching. And there was nothing that was stopping them from getting in the ring. They were just standing there. And I'm like, what what story are you trying to tell? Where you have your face characters just kind of watching their dude get the crap beaten out of him. But your heels are immediately there to save each other. Like, that was just a weird moment. And it went on for a really long time, too. Like, it was a really long arm breaker. So I was just kind of like, I don't I don't think I really get this. Because it would have been one thing if they tried to break it up and then Shingo and Doi stopped them and just held them back and just threw them around and stopped them from breaking it up. But that's, like, that's not what happened. And it was just weird. It was a weird moment. Yeah. Um, I love this match. I want to get that out of the way. Um, Loved it, and I really encourage anyone that has the funds currently to go on WWNlive.com and go to the Dragon Gate UK section and watch at least one of their matches from Dragon Gate UK before their match on the 14th. Um, These guys have ridiculous chemistry. I think it's Yokosuka's best opponent by far, Shingo. I think it's probably Shingo's best opponent on the other hand. Um, Love what these two are doing. Love this match. Love the way Susumu sold. And then, obviously, a backing performance by Yamadoi, Horiguchi, and Saito, which made this match even more entertaining than it should have been. Real good stuff here. That So so Shane mentioning the cycling Yahoo made me remember the spot where Ryu <laughs> Saito kept trying to get, I think, Doi yeah. in the cycling Yahoo. And then finally, I, he, like, Doi would crawl the ropes every single time. And then I guess Genki finally ran interference and, like, blocked him from getting to the ropes. So then Saito was able to get the cycling eye. It was great. Saito was so offended. Every <laughs> time Doi would, like, fall away, he would make that face, like, bitch, how dare you? <laughs> Saito has the greatest facials in wrestling. Like, I'm convinced. Who the fuck has better facials than Ryu Saito? He's, he just has such an expressive face. 
It's always great when he makes these faces. Like he, he looks like a child, you know. He looks like a, a child who makes you sad because he just he just wants to put him in this stupid goofy move, and this asshole <laughs> keeps crawling away. I love I love the Jimmy's trio of Susumu, Horiguchi, and Saito. They are such a great team together. Like I mean, you can mix and match the Jimmy's any which way you want, and the team's going to be great because they've been together for so long, and their chemistry is off the walls. But this particular team, I feel like, is just they're so good. To, they're so good together. They're so entertaining together. They have such good chemistry. They work off of each other so well. And I know part of that is because Saito and Horiguchi, and then Saito and Susumu are actually like two really you know, big tag teams in Dragon Gate that were always really good together. But it's so nice to get to see the three of them working together because um, Yamadoi and Shingo, they're, they're also an incredible trio because they've been together off and on throughout Dragon Gate history. So I feel like when you have two three-man teams of these guys who are just absolutely amazing workers together and then they have great chemistry with each other, the match just ended up being fantastic. And... Susumu obviously sold the arm really, really well because he's he's Susumu, and there's not really much else you can say about that. He's one of the best in Dragon Gate, and he is my favorite in Dragon Gate on top of that. And it was so cool to watch him like try to rally against Shingo, and then Shingo's like, ah, no, I got him. I've beaten him up enough. This is easy. And then he got pinned, and he's like, excuse me, that was not supposed to happen. Like, Shingo was just so offended all night long at everything that happened, and it was yeah. success. He just he just got so mad. Like he's such a cocky bully that when he act when his team gets beat and when he gets beat, he's just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like there is no reason for this. I don't deserve this. <laughs> he basically starts singing, How could this happen to me? <laughs> I made my mistake. <laughs> Honestly, salty Shingo is my favorite Shingo. Yeah, Shingo is Shingo is great when he gets his comeuppance. He's just like he he's such an asshole that when he gets pinned or whatever finally and is just so angry about it, you're just like, Fuck you, buddy. I love you deserved that. every bit of I love how the Jimmies will bait um Berserk <laughs> when they lose because I know it was on I know I don't I didn't get um I haven't seen it yet. I need to watch it. The the first match where they had their little champions of Berserk versus the Jimmy's quartet and then Horiguchi pinned Yamato and they were like Making like Yamato's gonna come and bitch about this in a second, and then like I just love watching Berserk like bitch about things because they're like the group, they're mean, they're bullies, they try to make everybody fight each other, everybody hates them, and then when they actually get beat, they're so like they're like pouty children about it. They're like, this is not okay. It was like Yamato said, like it was an accident. (laughs) (laughs) I know they're such they're they're amazing heels. Like I don't I I can't ever see any of these people ever being babyfaces again. But maybe Doi, and that's that. Although but he's such a better heel anyway. Um, so yeah, that that was a six-man tag. Case, you had a three and three quarters, I think, in your review. Yeah, that would be sound, it. Sound, sounds about right to me. Um, but yeah, that was a great match. Anyone else got any thoughts on it? Let's talk about this main event. Okay, oh boy. so oh God. before we get into the main event, we have to talk about the show opening angle. Okay, okay. So, so. Mom came back! Okay, <laughs> so do you remember, do you remember on the first episode when I was like, damn, I miss BB Hulk? Well, I have something to say about that. <laughs> I did, I, I do miss, I, I was so happy when he came out. 
I was like, mom's coming back. It's finally time to put everybody in their place. You know, he's going to be like, what the hell are you guys doing? And initially, everything went perfectly well until he decided to screw around with Berserk. And I was like, this can either end very well for Dia Hearts or very, very badly. And well, I, I got... I got excited when Hulk came out. I did. Like, you know, me and Jules have the running joke that BB Hulk is mom. So that's why we call BB Hulk mom. And, like, I was like, oh, mom's back. Oh, this is so nice. Mom's going to fix everything, you know? Like, what the hell? Like, you you burned the house down when I left. What the hell did you do? Why are you letting the children lead the group? Mochi, I left this in your hands. You should know better. Like, <laughs> and and then and then Hulk tried to out-doy Doy, which... At the time, we were all laughing about it, like, oh, God, Doi's screwed up now. You know, Dia Hearts and Monster Express hate Berserk. This is what you get when you screw with people. And Doi was like, no, 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 we're not going to join this match. And my favorite part was when, like, he tried to climb the ropes to, like, stand over. I think it was Hulk when Hulk was talking. Like, And I was like, that reminds me of that scene from that 70s show where they asked Kitty why the dog is on the counter. And Kitty's like, he likes to be tall. And it was just—that's <laughs> <laughs> the best reference I've ever heard on a wrestling podcast. That was wonderful. Continue. Thank you, Kate. And and then like Doi was like, no, 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 no. And then the referee pops up and is like, actually, yeah, we're gonna do this. And Doi was like, mm, I guess so. And then Berserk lost all of their matches, and it was—it looks—it really looked so bad for them. But I will admit that going into the main event, and I said so. That I still thought Monster Express was going to lose. And I yeah. threw a poll up on the Twitter because I'm like, you know, now that we've got these three teams, I guess I'll see what people think. And Monster Express won by like 65%. And I'm like, yeah, I think we all, I think there was like, I think um, one per, one or two people was like, I they thought, they thought Dia was going to lose like directly to me. But most people that I talked to thought it would be Monster Express. And we were already joking about it. And then... Obviously. Ah. It was so sad, though, to see North Tribe get reunited. Um, because I miss them so much. And there were, like, pictures of Hulk and KZ, and KZ together. And I'm like, I miss this tag team so much. I've never... Like, when I actually saw them together, I'm like, I don't think I've ever missed a tag team as much as I miss them. Because as goofy as they were as a tag team together, I feel like that worked. That fit so well. And it was like a little glimmering moment of there they are again together. It was just so nice. So I want to point out really quickly that before we get into the actual main event, the psychology was a little weird where they were basically like, Berserk, Doi pointed out correctly that Berserk already had, everyone in Berserk already had matches. And so that was like, hey, this is pro wrestling. You got to be ready to fight two or even three times on the show. And it's like, (laughs) so the heels agree to basically put themselves at a huge disadvantage and wrestle twice on the show while the baby faces didn't have to do that. It was it was a little weird. But. When we get to the main event, I do want to talk about the psychology of what was happening, though. Because I normally... I, the only promotion I get nitpicky about the rules with is usually the WWE, because they're one of those promotions that, like, they have these set-in-stone rules, and then they don't follow them. Yeah. But, like, some of the stuff that happened during the main event that I noticed, and other people noticed it, too, like, it came up on uh, the TL when I was running the live tweets was that other people did notice what was going on. And I don't know, like, so that that was, I don't know, I think that's something that they might want to keep an eye on in the future because it really didn't make sense. 
Well, uh, what was it specifically? When, okay, so, like, and I noticed it specifically with, like, one certain pairing, but from what I understand, it happened multiple times, but the match was hard to keep up with. Cause it was so oh, bad. I know what you're, you're yeah, going to say. They were breaking up pins That's on the right, other yeah, team. No like, KZ tried to stop, I forget who it was, somebody from pinning Shingo, and I'm like, what kind of logic is going through your head when you try to stop somebody from, like, who cares if Shingo gets eliminated, KZ? You're on the Dia Hearts team. Let Monster Express eliminate him. See, then you don't have to deal with him. It happened, I think it only happened, like, twice, and I honestly think it's just people with, like, people who just mess up in the moment, I guess, where it's, like, their their instinctual thing is, oh, shit, this pin is not supposed to happen, I have to break it up, but they don't think of the fact that they're actually on the other team, so it makes no sense for them to break it up. So I think it was just a little screw-up in the match. I, I, also, I, I also want to know what happened between Monster Express and Dia Hearts, because if it had been me on one of those teams... Uh, going into face berserk, which is the team that started all of this in the first place. I mean, like, and there wasn't very much of it. Like, they could have run Dia and Monster Express trying to team up against Berserk and it not working in their favor. Like, they could have run that. But I don't know. I feel like if you were the two teams who got suckered into fighting each other, and then the other team who started it all, because I remember when Doi originally was talking to them, I really thought they were going to make it like a three-way and Berserk was going to try to get rid of them and that. And, Obviously, he was just pitting Dia and Monster Express against each other and then ended up getting in the match anyway. I'm like, I don't know. I think it would have been, like, a little more clever to try to run that they were trying to team up against Berserk and that didn't work out very well for them. Because it seems like to me, if only one unit has to lose, why wouldn't you try to take down the one who's causing all the trouble, who you now have the opportunity yeah. to take down? I, see, I I think in what, when, what the idea was, was first of all, um, from a non-storyline standpoint... I think if you had the two Bayface units team up on the heel unit, you run the risk of the heel unit getting sympathy from the crowd, which one, which isn't really what they wanted. So that's probably why they didn't do it. And then from a storyline standpoint, I just think the idea is these two units are, they're so desperate to be the one that survives that they're willing to eliminate the other, the other Bayface unit first. And, and it, it kind of, you know, from a storyline standpoint too, it probably is easier to take out either Dia or Monster than to take out Berserk. I mean, Shingo, Yamato, and Doi are very strong for a reason. So Oh, oh absolutely. But when you but I mean like there's like it's like eight on four and they've already all had matches. And, you know, Katoka got the shit beaten out of him, which is why he was out of the match in five minutes. Um, that was that <laughs> yeah. was oh, that was that was a nice moment because nobody likes Katoka anyway. But like, you know <laughs> <laughs> except like five people, nobody really likes Katoka. Um but like I don't know, it just it was just kinda weird to me because I, I don't know, like I would have felt like like I said, you could have run them trying to team up and it not working because it's Yamado and Shingo. Like, you are, like, the fact that Yamado has literally bulldozed almost the entire tag division, you know, and Shingo is just dropping the veterans left and right like he was. I feel like that that alone would have been enough to show that they could have easily taken the others out because there's not many people on their level. So I feel like they, and I don't think Shingo Takagi is going to get, like, I think Yamato is the one who runs the risk for getting sympathy from the crowd because they still love him. But I don't think Shingo's going to get sympathy from the crowd, like, ever. Because they seemed pretty happy to see him lose. Yeah. Twice. There was no sympathy from the crowd when Shingo got pinned by our man, Sachi Hoko Boy. How great was that? All right, well, let's go go through the fall, actually, because I want to do... So the first fall was Mochizuki pinning Kotoka in 5 minutes and 25 seconds with the Psycho High Kick. Not even the Shin Psycho High Kick, just the regular one. (laughs) Poor Katoka. <laughs> it's Katoka. He's like 
20 pounds. It was awesome because didn't he do Blair right before that and then Mochi just kicked him? <laughs> just kicked her in the head and pinned him. Mochi like, Blair! Mochi has no time for this. The, the veterans don't have any time for Katoka. Like, every time he tries to pull their pull his shit on them, they're like, we're literally just going to kill you. Like, we benefit from not having you here, so goodbye. So, I, yeah, I do want to point was... out, um, Jules, don't take offense to this, but I think besides Alan Forel, I'm the biggest Mochizuki fan in the world. I, I can safely say that I like Mochizuki a little bit more than you. Uh, he was excellent in this match. Okay, he lasted for, uh, looks like just over, or uh, just under 20 minutes. He was awesome. I really enjoyed Mochizuki in this match. Anytime he does that Tope Suicida. Oh, rock, God. Yeah, the, dive, the dive sequence was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Tozawa did that step-up dive that always looked like he's going to... I'm always worried he's going to break his neck yeah, on the friggin' Yeah, he needs paper. to stop doing that. Or I'm going <laughs> to fly to Japan and I'm going to mo- mom out on him. Like, I can't have this. Somebody needs I, to go... I, go get Uha. Make Uha fix this. My heart. So the dive, the dive sequence, really quickly, like, so everybody does all these dives, and then the crowd starts chanting for Shimizu... <laughs> Because he was the only one who didn't do a dive. And Shimizu climbs up on the apron like he's going to do it. And Mochizuki puts up like an axe yeah, with his arm. Yeah, he the axe like if someone was injured. I <laughs> lost it when that happened. He was holding up the axe to be like, no, I am not working here. I am telling you, you are not fucking diving on us, you big giant of a man. I love, I love, the, I love my favorite part of the dive sequences is where everybody like tries to grab each other and huddle together so they can start catching people. Yeah, like it's, it's like on oh, group huddle. And the funny part about that though was that Shimizu was on the opposite side of the ring. Like yeah. he wasn't on the apron, like right there getting ready to jump over. He was on the other side of the ring. And I know like three or four of them were throwing X's up. Like you're not doing it. It was a shoot <laughs> X from Mochizuki. He was not messing around. Awesome. He's like, no, I am not putting this up because I'm looking for Shelton Benjamin <laughs> or Hiroshi Tanahashi. I'm putting this up because I am not getting dove on by any enormous big Arshimizus. That was fantastic. I almost died, too. I was laughing so hard. So, okay, so the dive sequence happens. Then we get the second fall of the match. So at this point, the only team down to three members is Berserk. But that changed when Big R Shimizu once again pinned T-Hawk. He pinned him in Osaka in a singles match. And he got to pin him here again with an awesome sequence where Mochizuki, like, Shimizu had hit T-Hawk in the shot put slam, you know, um, hold. And was trying to go for it and couldn't get it at first. So Mochizuki's like, "Wait a second. And he jumps up on the ropes and does on the uh, in the corner and does the Senkaku Gary to the back of T Hawk's head. And then T Hawk is stunned enough for Shimizu to hit the shot put slam and pin him. So that was an awesome sequence. That was at sixteen twenty three. A little surprising that T Hawk is the second man out of the match and the first man out for Monster Express, but they've definitely scaled his pushback of late, so I don't. I don't necessarily think that's that's a bad thing though. And and this is and you know I love T Hawk. You guys know I love T Hawk. But when when you when you push someone too hard, when you push someone too hard, and you have the crowd not getting behind them, and I know the same thing happened with Naito in a uh, New Japan where they tried to push him way way too hard, and then the fans themselves said we don't actually want to see you main event. Like, so I mean, like they pushed T Hawk, you know, way too hard, and the fans in Japan did not get behind him the way that they wanted him to. So I think scaling it back was not a bad idea because this gives the crowd like a break from having to think he's getting ready to, you know, break through again. And then that way they can, you know, you can mess with his gimmick a little, make the fans start to like him, you know, still keep him at a champion position because he's still a triangle gate champion, but you do have the option of 
warming them back up to him without risking them turning on him. Because I think we've all seen what happens in, uh, (laughs) I think we've all seen what happens between New Japan and the WWE. What happens when you push somebody way too hard and the fans don't respond to them. Wait a second. So T-Hawk, it's interesting. When you push a guy to top babyface and the crowd doesn't really like him, you can stop pushing them? (laughs) Hmm. I didn't know that was a thing. I only watched WWE. (laughs) This, This might be a surprise to a lot of people out there. But you have the option of changing your mind and maybe trying wow. to find someone the crowd might like a little bit more while you fine-tune the guy who you think. Because I think, you know, with a little bit of time, T-Hawk could be a good ace for the promotion. I really do. Like, he's still got the charisma to work on. But it's like we said before, he's in his he's, – he's young. He's got plenty of time to work out the kinks and plenty of time to get on track where they want him to be. And he's with, you know, one of the most charismatic – uh, units in Dragon Gate, so he, you know, he'll get, he'll, you know, some of that'll rub off on him. It will, you know, but like, I think it's good that they scaled this pushback, and I think, you know, I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing to get him out of the match when they did, because that way, like I said, the crowd doesn't have a chance to like get sick of him being there, and then you build sympathy for him because if he's taking these falls and like getting thrown out earlier, then you know the crowd might start to feel a little bit bad for him, which happens. So. I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing. And I think that Shimizu being the one to pin him was really important considering T-Hawk was the one like, no, 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 you don't want this match. You don't want this match. I've been through this match. You don't want this match. And Shimizu pinning him, I think that was, you know, I think that was fitting. That if someone was yeah, going to pin T-Hawk, I think it needed to be. And he didn't do it on his own, you know. It was assisted. So, like, there's no worries there right now. Yeah, I they, there was a lot of stuff in this match that was, like, storyline callbacks, including the next one. With Tozawa pinning Mochizuki at seventeen seventeen with a high speed German, Tozawa and Mochizuki have had like a little weird rivalry slash friendship slash you know whatever for like ever since Tozawa, well even actually before he came back, because I was gonna say ever since he came back in twenty eleven with Blood Warriors, but even before that it was Mochizuki and the other um, Zetsujins I think they were called who caused the breakup of Tozawa Juku in that Triangle Gate match. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, they've had a lot of history together, so Tozawa pinning Mochizuki here was pretty cool. And I did not think that was going to be a pin, by the way. So I was, like, oh, Tozawa was, like, moving his feet up and down during the during the bridge, like, I'm going to do it, and he did it. So That that's, uh, series of moves gave me flashbacks to, I think it was their October 2014 match, if not November, but these two have awesome chemistry together, and this was, I mean, it happened a minute after the T-Hawk elimination, but bang, 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 a lot of moves, but it looked fantastic. Anyone else have any thoughts on the Mochizuki elimination? The, the way he moves for his age is incredible. Like, and I mean, and it's not, this is not one of the typical Mochizuki's old jokes that I throw around with Jules when we're having our little play arguments. But I don't think it can be understated that he is, you know, he is the oldest member on the, you know, constant roster that's there all the time. But he wrestles like he's a lot younger than he is. He takes a lot of risks that um, a lot of people his age wouldn't take. And it's, you know, he's he's really impressive. He's incredibly impressive. Like, there's never a moment where he isn't impressive. Like, I'm constantly in awe that he can still move the way he can for his age. And I think it also needs to be stated that Dragon Gate, you know, he's, you know, there's a lot of stiffness in a lot of what they do. There's a lot of risks in what they do because there's a lot of high flying. So, you know, this is a man who's taken a lot of punishment over his career. 
but he still moves like he's a lot younger than he is, and I think that's really, really impressive. I legitimately think Mochizuki's one of the ten best wrestlers of all time. Oh, absolutely. I, I, that good. I mean, for over 20 years now, because you can target his first his first great match or his first very good match was in the 95 J-Cup. Since then, he's been performing at a high level every single year. That's a 20-year stretch at this point where he's been one of the best wrestlers in the world, and for certain years, like 2011, was by far the best wrestler in the world. One of the all-time greats, and I don't think he'll ever get the credit he deserves from the mass weird wrestling fan fandom that we're all in because he's in Dragon Gate and there's a you know there's a style bias there which is relevant for us also we just happen to like it more but Mochizuki amazing amazing all-time great professional wrestler yeah I agree for sure all right so um after that we had a sequence where poor Sachi Hoko boy was getting killed by all three members of Berserk mostly Shingo mostly Shingo with the pumping bomber and stuff but then Sachi Hoko boy gets that M9 cradle out of nowhere that, like, it's another one of those, like, impact cradles, like, uh, just like Maria's, I think. But, like, so he gets this, this cradle out of nowhere and pins Shingo. Is that not just the was, greatest thing ever? And yes, it was you know, so before awesome. Before we talk about this elimination, was Sachi Hoko boy had a really cool relationship with this crowd, because there's a spot um, before Mochizuki gets eliminated where Mochizuki lands a series of kicks on Sachi Hoko Boy and goes for a pin, and it's a deep two count, but when Sachi Hoko Boy kicks out, there's, like, this weird rumble in the crowd, and, like, it wasn't a huge pop, but there was a reaction there that was, like, Sachi Hoko Boy is still alive, let's go, and it was really cool, and then this elimination, then the next one, which happened 20 seconds later, awesome moment, one of those things where... I think in any other company, the world champion being pinned by arguably the lowest ro- uh, level roster member is not good. But in Dragon Gate, it just has this way of working, and God bless Shingo Takagi and Sachi Hoko, boy. Yeah, it was a great, just a great, like, little end. Because I'm don't, i not sure it's going to lead to a Dream... It, well, actually, you know what? It's not going to lead to a Dream Gate match. It might lead to a non-title singles match at some point. But, I mean, if this is the end of the story, it's a great ending. That he actually got to pin Shingo... And eliminate him from this match. So, yeah, I mean, after all the abuse Shingo gave him, I mean, Shingo abusing him was one of the things that caused the formation of Berserk. <laughs> when you think about it, because it's what it's the big reason why he ends up leaving Monster Express in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, this is we're talking about a storyline that dates back to like last June or last July or whatever. So that's it's a great, great story. Uh, um, we can circle back around to that elimination if Jules or Shane has anything to say about it. But then, of course, 20 seconds later, in the most Naruki doy way ever, he catches <laughs> Boy in another cradle and pins him, which just yeah. goes to my theory that Naruki doy is the best heel in wrestling. Just perfect timing <laughs> on the eliminations. The crowd had their chance to cheer and stomp and celebrate that Shingo was gone, and then Doi just catches him out of nowhere and pins him. It just kills the crowd. It was awesome. Yeah. It was an M9 cutback. Is you know he reversed the M9. It was just such a great moment. That was a great moment too because it was just like Doi being a troll and being like, no fuck you. He's I'm eliminating him too. But yeah. Um, so you guys have any thoughts about the two Sachioko boy eliminations? Um, no. I'm, I'm like. Go ahead. Uh, I was not, I think I'm the only one who didn't watch it on Nico Nico. So I had the pleasure of having a stream that was lagging like fuck. And I believe that I missed like half of the eliminations. 
Oh, I see. That's a sad story, Jules. That's a <laughs> You need to go watch this match back and fall on uh the I know, I know. I like I I I I can talk about it, but the problem is that 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 was unfortunately one of the moments that buffered a lot for me and I'm very sad about it. Well, the match is up on the sketchy Russian YouTube, so mm-hmm. you should probably go back and rewatch it at some point this weekend. <laughs> oh no, I will, I will, but I just um, from the reactions that I saw on the Twitter, um, it was pretty, in- it was a pretty incredible sequence. And I, like I said, I love Salty Takagi so much, <laughs> and the fact that you know Shachi got to pin him was just so amazing. Just for me as like a person who obviously, um, if you know me, you know that I have this thing where I generally don't like heels. And everybody's, you know, all the smarts love heels and I'm always like getting called out, whatever. But I can appreciate a good heel, but whenever a face gets that big moment, I will always be happy, even if it's over a heel that I love, like Shingo. But I, and I also do love Salty Takagi, so to, to get to, to know that this happened and the payoff of that in the, po- in the post show was a cool thing for me. What do you think, Shane? Um, I know, you know, I don't, and I don't want to. I don't want this to come off as I never cared about Shachi because that's not true. He's a member of Monster Express, and I love Monster Express, but he wasn't like my favorite member. And I mean, I think everyone, when it comes to the units, you've got the members you like the most, and the members you know that are there, and you can appreciate what they do, but you don't, you know, care about them as much as the others. I mean, like, I don't think there's anyone in Monster Express that I care about more than Tozawa. Um, but but at the last show, um. I mean, the last one I watched, because I didn't see the one with the, um, I've, I've missed a couple, but, because work, but, um, when Shachi got on the microphone and was talking about how he felt like the baggage of Monster Express and Tozawa was, like, crying, that moment, Dragon Gate made me really, really, really care about Shachi to the point where I'm like, okay, literally all of them are important, and I now love all of them equally, um, and I think Dragon, and I, and I don't want to, and this is, and I don't want to, like, understate this because this is you know dragon gate is one of the rare promotions where i like almost every single person on the roster a whole lot except like maybe four of them um so i you know so but dragon gate does have that unique ability i think to make people really really care about somebody when they want them to i mean other than the cyber kong monday ryu feud which like i don't think (laughs) i don't think anyone cared about except alan the rogue but um (laughs) But so when so when Shachi pinned Shingo, like I'm, and I told Jules this, I, I I'm kind of ready for Shingo to lose his title to be honest, because he's kind of he's starting to wear on me a little bit. Um, but to see him get pinned and knowing that he was gonna get so mad about that because he had just thrown Shachi around and treated him like shit, which is a weird theme in Dragon Gate where like one dude will get treated like shit for a really 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 long time, but. And then for Shachi to come back and actually pin in, that was such a great moment. And there, and I don't think there's anything more satisfying at this point than seeing Shingo Takagi get pinned, because he's such a dick. <laughs> like, he's so mean to everyone. Like, he, he, he says the meanest things on the microphone, and he's like, you know, your baggage, your body's breaking down, I'm going to literally kill you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his facial expressions at any given moment. Um, I remember... Um, I had a friend who was watching it on the time of stream and who was kind of like communicating some of the stuff that the chat was saying to me, like, cause you know, they're, they're pretty terrible, but sometimes they have some funny moments 
And, um, like, when Hulk came out, they were making fun of how, like, Shingo's expression would suggest that he's like, oh, are you ready to die again? Like, I'll rip your shoulder out this time. And, like, it's really satisfying to see Shingo get pinned. And to know that he got pinned by Shachi is, like, the sweetest revenge ever. And it's like John said, if that's the end of the story, that's still a really good ending to the story, because Shingo was mad. And he's like, I don't even want to give you a Dreamgate title match because nobody would pay to see it. And I'm like, that is the most, like, pathetic thing it's like, you know what, normally I would let you, like, try to get this belt, but I'm not going to because nobody would watch it. And what he's really saying is, I'm not going to because I'm really mad that it happened, and I'm very upset. And as a result, I'm going to try to take it out on you and come off sounding a little bit pitiful by doing it. And then, of course, Doi healed up really great there and just took Shachi out. And I love I love Doi. I don't, like, his his everything in that show was great. Like, his heel moments in the opening Again, when he was trying to promo against Hulk and getting outdoyed and then, like, watching him in both of his matches. Like, he is, he really is such a great heel. And I hope to God that Dragon Gate never tries to turn him face again, because I don't want to lose that. I think if they're going to turn anyone in Berserk face, um, then it needs to, if they ever do it, and I don't want them to because they all work so great as heels. But if they were going to, it definitely wasn't going to be Doi, because, like, you can't, you can't take that away. He's just too good at being a heel. He's just too good at being a dick. Like, he's even better at it than Shingo is. As a babyface, he's just kind of bland too. Yeah. Like that was the biggest problem I had with his Dreamgate run in World in World One, where he just seemed very bland to me. To me, but to me, Doi is like reverse Casey, where he had, um, you know, runs as a face, um, important runs as a face, but he worked so much better, so much more natural as a heel. Yeah. Whereas Casey had pretty much all of his career as a heel, but worked so much more naturally as a face. I think, Ayan, I yeah. think this main event proved that KZ is KZ be- is is better at being a face, which we'll get to that. You know, KZ is the too. best wrestler in Dragon Gate. That was, yeah, that was, that was heartbreaking. But yeah, that was, it was, you know, it was a good sequence. I, I had to but, get like, it I'm, out. I love him too much for my own good. But I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy for Shachi. I really am. Like I said, even if he doesn't get very much more in Dragon Gate, he got to pin Shingo Takagi and like, he got to get a little bit of revenge on him. So I think that was really well deserved and great. And I'm happy it happened. I know we've got to move on and get to this match, but I just want to bring up this point uh, real fast. I had a conversation with someone earlier today, uh, one of my good friends, Quentin, uh, on Twitter, at QT underscore Moody, I believe. Um, and we were talking about Casey and how, with his charisma and his entering ability, Casey could be, if not a top star, then a top junior heavyweight star at almost any company in the world. And he's just sort of stuck in this pack and dragging it because everyone on this roster is so good. But uh, it really showed in this match, at the end of the match, when he was the sole survivor for Die Hearts, that Casey is just awesome. I would, yeah. the only, the only, I'd argue a few promotions wouldn't push him the way he deserves to be pushed, because they, they just don't do it very well. Like, I mean, New Japan's got a strong juniors unit, but I'll, let, let's, let's be honest don't here, they're don't. not really, they're not really great at pushing anybody who's not named, um... Nick, Matt or Nick Jackson, and their, like, main title, they're, like, heavyweight, the, I'm not heavyweight, the... The junior heavyweight title um, was that, just that entire situation with Kenny Omega wasn't great, so I don't necessarily think KZ would be treated right in New Japan, but maybe in another promotion, like maybe, but like I think that's the one promotion where I don't think that would work out very well for him. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. Um, all right, so we 
so we should move on a little bit here. Oh, oh wait. So got like one more quick thing before we do because I know somebody I know somebody on the timeline on Twitter said it. And I just want to address this real quick. Shingo got pinned twice, and somebody was like, "I thought he was supposed to be the toughest heel in Dragon Gate. What's going on?" They were, you know, they were roll-ups. They weren't, you know, they weren't like these, you know, like he, like he'd been in two matches, you know, when he got pinned by Shaji. That was his second match. And it was, you know, it was a hope spot. And, like, even with Susumu, that was a hope spot where he just, like, reversed a move into a cradle. So it's not saying anything against Shingo that he got pinned a couple times. Because, like, roll-ups, I, I mean, I know that they're legal, but they don't, they're not real. they don't feel ever, like, really, really decisive. They feel like just kind of a spot that you hope you can get. And maybe if you do, then good for you, but sometimes you don't. So, like, it's not, they're not doing anything. It doesn't hurt Shingo to get pinned a couple times. Like, so I don't think that... Anybody should be worried about that. Like, he's clearly still the top heel in Dragon Gate, and he's going to be just fine. Although I would I would say the match did show maybe, I think I think Case touched on this in his, in his review, that the team of Yamadoi is even more protected than Shingo yep. as, far as, as far as the top heel act. Oh, absolutely. Where they, but I, they are I protected as being just unbeatable. Yeah, I, I, think that's, I think that's a little bit more fair for them, though, because they are a team. And they do, they do, they do a lot of two-on-one maneuvers a lot. But I mean, they've also been heels, and they've also been successful heels a lot uh, longer than Shingo has. And with the way that they've built Shingo, um, his fall is going to be fantastic when it happens. But I mean, with Yamadoi, like, I feel like they're just—I don't know. Like, it, it's, I feel like it's different with them than it is with Shingo. Like, there's something that makes it different with the way that they're protected than the way Shingo was protected. And they were um, very protective of him throughout the match, actually. They broke up, like, a lot of attempted pinfalls on him compared to him breaking up pinfalls on them. And then, of course, the end of the match, you know, when they took out Dia Hearts. But, like, there's it's, it's, it's different in their dynamic, and obviously they're getting ready to take a really hard fall. It just, you know, depends on who they're going to have to do it. But, I don't know, the crowd doesn't hate them the way that they don't like Shingo. Like, and, I, and it's because it's them. So I feel like they can get away with being a little bit more protective of Yamadoi than they can with Shingo. Because if they get too protective with Shingo, that crowd is going to eventually, you know, turn just because they don't they don't like him. They don't like Shingo at all. Like, when he wins matches, they go silent. And, you know, you can't build him up and protect him too much because they, they hate him. But they, don't, yeah. but they don't hate Yamadoi that way. Like, you know, they still do the little ooh spot when Yamato, like, pets his hair. And they still, you know, have... I mean, a lot of the crowd still has, a lot, you know, pretty positive reactions to the stuff that Yamadoi does. So, like, you can't protect somebody that the crowd really, really, really hates because it's it's not going to go over well with them. Yeah. No, I see what you're, I see what you're saying. Um, all right. So, the next elimination, speaking of Yamadoi, was a Yamadoi tag team elimination on Dragon Kid, where uh, basically Dragon Kid had the Ultra Hurricanrana on, hit the Ultra Hurricanrana on Yamato, and then Dory came flying in out of nowhere with the back of tear and flipped it back over again. So Yamato pinned Kid. Dragon Kid, did anyone do less in this match than him? <laughs> like, I just feel like he was barely in the match, yeah. you know? I think everyone had a spot at least where they sort of stuck out and then there was Dragon Kid who didn't do yeah. much. Dragon Kid really didn't do anything in this match, I don't think. No, not really. So, which is fine. He's an older dude at this point. It's okay not to have him be part of the spotlight or whatever. Yeah, and he, but, he does he does a lot of that flippy athletic stuff. I feel like he does it, like, everyone in Dragon Age does. I feel like he does it a lot more than a lot of other people. So, you know, it's, it's a big multi-man match. Maybe let him take a little bit of a break because, you know, yeah. they work they work a pretty, they work a pretty, I mean, they work a lot of house shows. So, like, I don't know, maybe let him take a little break during this big match because, like, 
yeah, he just, you know, he if you're going to have him keep wrestling, like, I don't know, because we'll get to that in the post-match, but, you know, he he's done a lot for Dragon Gate. Maybe just let him take a little break in a match where it doesn't necessarily matter if you get in your big spots or not. So, yeah, so that was that pin. I don't think there's a lot to say about it. Um, after that, that was a 2201. At 2307, we had Yoshino pinning Big R Shimizu with a Hurakarana. I think, if I remember correctly, this is when Big R kept going for the shot put slam on him, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So Yoshino reversed it into the Hurakarana. So that pin on Shimizu left only one member of Adia Hearts, KZ, with Tozawa and Yoshino still there for Monster Express and Yamadoi still there for Berserk. So obviously, when this happened, did we all think that Dia was losing. Cause I just figured, yep. I was like, how could KZ survive this by himself? And to his credit, he fought hard by himself after that. Oh, fought hard but in Tozawa in one of the craziest sequences I've seen in wrestling in a long time. Yeah. Like about a minute and 37 seconds later, 2444, he pinned Tozawa with the sky schoolboy and a, a great sequence. And again, another callback because Tozawa was the one who beat KZ for the Brave Gate early in 2015 in one of my favorite matches of the year that no one else agreed with because it ended up in Sadness Village. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that was like when it came down to KZ. I'm pretty sure that's when I because Jules and I were like DMing back and forth a little bit on the Twitter account. And I'm pretty sure that's when I DM Jules. Uh, yeah, D is done. That's it. I can't believe D is going to lose this match. And it's you know, and I feel bad for KZ. Like that him being the last man and the crowd's reactions to him proves the Dragon Gate is missing the mark on him to an extreme amount. Yep. Like, for, for, for a promotion who tried to push T-Hawk really, really, really hard when the crowd didn't really want to get behind him, it amazes me that they have the, that they have a wrestler who everyone is really behind that they don't really want to do Shane, anything with. Shane, I have, you know, and I'm, as much as it pains me to say this as a T-Hawk fan, KZ does not look like T-Hawk. No, I know that, but I mean, like, Look at, you know, look at some of the guys that have, like, you know, BB, in a promotion where BB Hulk can be the face of the company, I feel like it's not unheard of for a guy like KZ to be able to do it, too. Because, like, I know he looks goofy and he's got, you know, the fluffy curly hair, but, like, sometimes you gotta, you know, and, and the thing is, it wouldn't even be Dragon Gate taking a chance on him. Because the crowd is entirely behind him. Like, you would, you would be able to get the crowd to stay behind him because that's clearly where they want to be. So, like, I feel like it's different, like, if it was a different wrestler and the crowd wasn't entirely behind them, it would, if it was, if KZ didn't have the crowd support that he has, then I would say it would be Dragon Gate taking a chance. But when they, when the entire crowd is already really pro-KZ, I don't think that they are taking a chance on pushing him. Like, I think it would work out really well if they wanted to. Just, you know, put him back in the, if you, if nothing else, put him back in the Brave Gate title scene, because he had, you know, he was great. He had a really great match with Tozawa, so he proved he can do it. But they don't want to do anything with him. And it's kind of sad. I do have to say, though, that when Casey was left at the end as the, the, the only remaining member of the Hearts, I, I still thought there was a chance for Dia to survive if Doi and Yoshino would take each other out. They tried. Mm-mm. The speed muscle interactions... I really thought that one of them was going to take the other out and kind of, like, even the odds for for Casey. Just Casey had, like, so much, like, going behind him after he pinned Tozawa that I was like, 
okay, maybe he can actually do it and he can actually survive for the hearts. He didn't, but I, like that kept me on the edge of my seat for like until he got pinned. Yeah, so almost exactly three minutes after Casey pinned Tozawa, we had the final pin of the match. Basically, Yamato Doi, Yamato just destroyed KZ two on one. Um, you know, you had KZ kicks out of the Galleria. Did he kick out of a backer tier too? I think yeah, he did. He did right. Yeah, it, he took it, it, a, he took the sleeper yeah. he took the sleeper suplex from Yamato and then a backer tear and kicked out of that too. And then he took the a second Galleria from Yamato and that finally was too much. I, I do I do want to say thing. I really enjoyed the sequence where um, Yoshino had Yamato in the submission hold and KZ on the outside oh, yeah. was trying to hold Doi back with everything in him. Like he had him, he was like Doi just slowly slipping out of his grasp and just seeing Doi try to get to Yamato. Like, I love everything about Yamadoi and just the way that they work as a team together and how desperate they are to, like, help each other and save each other. Like, that's little the little special moments. But Doi tried so hard, and then he finally slipped out of KZ's grasp and saved Yamato. I couldn't believe that, because I was like, I thought for sure Yoshino was going to submit Yamato so all three would have one guy left. But it never happened. Yamadoi, neither one of them ever got eliminated. So I think it was I, think, I think the booking says a lot about the way Dragon Gate looks at Yamadoi though that they were yeah. that they were the ones who like they not only did was Berserk the only team to have two guys left but it it's it's telling who those two guys were right because it wasn't Shingo Takagi who was wasn't left it? in that match it wasn't it was you know it was Yamadoi and then that ended up wait it wasn't it wasn't Katoka <laughs> <laughs> you bitch <laughs> leave Katoka alone he's trying his best. But, yeah, I think it's really telling that Yamadoi were the last two left in that match. And I, actually, in retrospect, I'm really glad that neither Doi or Yoshino took each other out because of the post-match. What went down there? Because it was better to have... It was better to have them not having taken each other out. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yes. Very, very fair. Um, should we talk about this post-match now? Uh, um, I well, let's talk I... a little bit more about the. Yeah. yeah, no, I just wanted to say um, something about Yamato pinning KZ, which is why I was like, well, Hulk, Mom, Hulk, you should have stayed home, because Hulk put Berserk in the match trying to embarrass them, and in the end, Berserk ended up being the reason Hearts disbanded. So Hulk is more or less directly responsible for Hearts disbanding. Yeah, and I point. wonder, I really wonder how they're going to work that into the storyline when he comes back, because I was very surprised to see that he did not come out for the post show. Okay, so we're back. A little bit of technical issues there. Um, so, last thoughts on the match as a whole. Case gave it four and three quarters in his review, That's which fair. was exactly what I was thinking, too, because that match was so amazingly good. It was probably even better than the two Unit you know, to matches from last year, I thought. So, which I, I had both in my match of the year top 10. So, like, yeah, I mean, I was blown away by how good that match was. Um, um, just the whole story for KZ, too, really put it over the top for me. I really, really love that. I want to say that, you know, you guys know how um, determined I was about my opinion that Monster Express was disbanding and that was, like, setting Sazawa on the road to the Dream Gate. And... I would normally be so salty that I was wrong. Like, I would be so angry that I was wrong. I Here I'm not angry at all because 
Dragon Gate keeps on surprising me, and it's like one of like maybe the only promotion that I watch that just keeps surprising me. And I can't be mad at the fact that I'm still surprised by what's happening, and that they're just like opening another world of possibilities that I didn't even consider. So yeah, we we should mention that really quickly too. We talked about before we get into the post match stuff. Um, so last in the episode one, we talked about our theory that whichever unit disbands, it'll either be Tozawa or Hulk beating Shingo. That could still be true. Thinking about this just now, I could also see a scenario where what this is leading towards is Hulk and KZ being the team to end the uh, the Yamadoi reign. I hope so. I would give KZ something. Give him something. He. Because KZ got beaten by Yamato and Doi, obviously, and lost the unit. And it's Hulk's so be... fault, because he's like, I'm going to yeah. try to out-Doi Doi, and oh, that worked so well, Mom. Good job. Well, he did He did out-Doi Doi, and the kid said that Doi's things always backfire on him. I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe how ironic it was, because we were joking around about, oh, look, we talked about how it was going to backfire on Doi, and it backfired before the even match started. And then it double backfired. <laughs> I, I I'm really I'm really impressed with Dragon Gate's ability to um put on these really great multi man matches because in a lot of promotions, in a whole bunch of them, when you have that many people who are in the ring together, the match itself is not very good. Now there might be a lot of storyline that happens in the match, like I know um New Japan when they always have their tournaments and stuff, they always have those multi mans to set up the next night who's going to fight each other. But, like, the match quality itself is not necessarily very high because, you know, for, you know, you just get a lot of people in the ring and it doesn't always work out. But Dragon Gate, like, they are so good at these unit disbands matches. They are, you know, really, really good at having all these guys in the ring. And to have, because it was 12 people, to have 12 people and still have it come all out almost five stars is absolutely incredible. And the work rate that these wrestlers manage to get into these matches is is absolutely insane, and I do I, I do feel bad for the people who don't like Dragon Gate because that match was so mind blowing, and there's just a lot of people that because they don't like the style, they're not gonna get to see it. I feel bad for people who don't like Dragon Gate because they seem like just awful, <laughs> terrible people. They seem like they don't like they seem like they don't like <laughs> happiness. <laughs> they like they like old luchadors like grappling with each other basically, and that's about it. Like fifty five year old luchadors and <laughs> southern wrestlers that. And punching each other in the face. That's about all I like. All right. <laughs> anyway. Um, so let's get into the post-match. Um, so basically, a huge thank you to Jay for the translations and stuff. Um, so the post-match. Basically, Doi was bragging about ending Dia Hearts. Um, Shingo was in a rage. Very shocking. Uh he said, how dare some third-rate garbage comedy wrestler like Sachioko Boy pin the Dream Gate champion? The nerve. <laughs> Two losses in one day. What bullshit this whole day was. <laughs> and then he said he said the bit we talked about before where he said he'd normally give Boy a singles match, but it would be so one-sided, no one would pay to see it. Um, so Tozawa was like, you, you can bring the other Berserk weaklings into it, they can go again, but that would be four on seven. Then KZ spoke up. And he's like, we, he lost today, Dia is finished, that's over, but he is still alive and he still wants to fight. And he offered to lend his power to Monster Express for the proposed match. Samizu echoed this sentiment. Now, so he decided to join too. KZ then asked Mochizuki and Kid to also join, I guess make it 8 on 7 advanced babyfaces. But Mochizuki declined, saying it was a fight for the younger generation. Um, 
he basically basically said, you know, he he was impressed by KZ and Shimizu fighting hard to the end, whereas he and DK were eliminated already pretty much earlier. And he decided he needed to take his next step on his own. Um, the fans kind of like, you could tell them, they were like very upset by this and were pleading with Mochi to stay in the match. Like, I think they started chanting his name. But um, Mochi just said he was grateful for everybody supporting Dia Hearts. Next month, KZ and Samizu will be carrying the load, but he needs to go think. And then Dragon Kid was also solemn, said he'll miss Dia Hearts. Um, he thought he needed to spend some time thinking about where he would go next. He hoped fans would support him when that time comes. He left. I want to say Zawa. Go ahead. I want to say something real quick about something that KZ said. That kind of like it was. It was very, very sad. Um, We talked about when Shimizu originally was like, "Yeah, let's have this unit disband match." KZ looked horrified because Dia Hart was the first (laughs) place that he ever felt like was home. I know. And we made the we made the jokes about they're burning down Hulk's house when he's not home. And then for KZ to get on the microphone and actually tell Hulk, "I'm sorry that I left you with no." home to come back to i'm like that is absolutely the saddest thing in the world and i'm like first of all casey it's not your fault second of all it's shimizu's fault it's his fault because he's like yeah let's fight for no particular reason and then it's hulk's fault as well a little bit yeah but i mean <laughs> but i mean but i mean but i mean like the thing that gets me is that mochi and dragon kid are much older than pretty much everyone else in dia hearts and they were just kind of like i guess we're gonna have this fight like they like i'm like why did you slap that child mochi just like backhand him and be like go sit down we're not having a unit disbands match there's no reason for it instead they were like well no maybe let's not oh, okay i guess we're gonna do it um so yeah so anyway so mochi and dragon kid left um tozawa tozawa starts like <laughs> he has his reactor he's like no mochi mochi like he starts screaming for him to come back he's always <laughs> it was so adorable like wait, 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 no, so... no 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 they have more people than us wait come back wait like mochi but um there's still a man short to make it seven on seven so doi is like okay well we'll take out me and yamato and yoshino will come out too and the remaining people will make it five on five but this left Yoshino a precarious spot. Does he want to fight the Twin Gate Champions two-on-one? So Yoshino admitted he didn't have a partner, but then he took Doi's line and said there were things going on behind the scenes that were unbelievable. Doi was very irritated at Yoshino turning his catchphrase against him. And Yoshino revealed his big surprise, returning to the Dragon Gate ring after 11 years, Brother Yashi. Now, I don't think, you know, obviously, if, you, if you're if a newer Dragon Gate fan, it's totally understandable you don't understand what this means. Brother Yashi left in, 2000, in January 2005, right? At the, there was an incident at the end of the 2004 where it was him, Suji Kondo, um, Takaya Sugarera, Toru Washi, and, God, the other guy, Jet. I can't remember his name because I just call him Jet. But anyway, the five of them were Aganisu, okay? And all five of them left the promotion. And it was actually a really big deal at the time. And no one really knew what happened. Um, President Okamura kind of just made a statement saying, a very generic statement saying that all Dragon Gate wrestlers um, need to fulfill like a certain level of basic behavior or conduct or something like that. And that was his explanation for why they were all fired. Um, At the time, I can tell you as a fan like, refreshing Jay's site and, like, talking to other fans at the time, we all thought it was a work. Like, we thought Agam was going to be back in, like, a month. Oh, that's sad. 
Yeah, we all we all thought it was a work, and I think Jay even Jay did it first, and that was basically what everybody thought. But it ended up being a shoot. They were really gone. Um, it's I've heard Jay say that now. I remember he he used to do a podcast on iHeartDJ, and on one of the podcasts I know he said that they basically quit. So there was some kind of huge conflict. I still don't really know what the conflict was, but something apparent something might have happened at Fan Appreciation, which is like this um, this little party they do but after the year-ending hurricane. So something might have happened there with a couple of them, and they decided to just the they were going to fire one or two of them maybe, and the the rest of the unit quit in solidarity. And there there was already a lot of tension in Dragon Gate at the time because if you remember, this was earlier in 2004 is when the split happened from Ultimo Dragon and Toriumon, and the T2P guys, which was all all of Aganisu, including Yashi, were much more loyal to Ultimo than the Toriumon Japan guys were. And as I talked about in my Generations post, that loyalty was pretty much misplaced, which is why I think you see Yashi back now. But um, So yeah, so the group, he did look good. But so yeah, so the group all left. Now, it's a big deal for anyone who remembers long enough to see Yashi back. I never thought I would see it. I think from Jay's Twitter reaction, he never thought he would see it. It's just no one thought this was a thing that was even possible. Now, Takuya Sugarera did come back um, in 2009, but as Jay explained on his Twitter feed, that didn't feel quite as big of a shock. I mean, it was still a shock, don't get me wrong, but Sugarera was more kind of like guilty by association than like actually considered a central player in the entire controversy. Yachi is was probably the central player in the controversy. Like if there was one guy who was at the center of it, it was probably him. So that's why him coming back is even more shocking than Sugarera. Um but yeah, so Yashi was like basically the original hip hop guy in Dragon Gate. He started out in T two P. He was um Yoshino's original tag team partner. And then Yoshino Yashi, um, at the time, Shuji Kondo, who became Kandari Shuji. Um, Yashi became Brother Yasini, and they all joined the Italian connection. Fake so these Italian. are like basically fake Italian names, yep. And um, referee GM Yagai was also in that too. First as a baker, or first as a fisherman, then as a baker. But um, yeah, so they were all in the Italian connection together, and then they split off in 2003 when... Um, Basically, Milano and Yoshino were baby faces, and the rest of the group were still heels. So all the heels basically left, and so that was um, Shuji Kondo, Brother Yashi, um, Jet, and all those dudes, and, and y- Yagi too. But then he got he basically got kicked out right after. But they teamed up with Toyo Owashi, who was like the big heel monster of T2P, who hadn't been the unit to that point, and they all formed Aganishu <laughs> together. Or rather, more like proto Aganizu. And then um, they would later join up with Mochizuki, when Mochizuki had his last heel run. And that was the concrete formation of Agan. And then that's what Yashi was in until the very end. But, so he's, he was, so it's, it's worth noting, he was almost, he was a heel his entire, drag, his entire uh, T2P Toyomon run. So him coming back as a baby face, first of all, is interesting. But um, he always had a hip-hop gimmick. So, like, obviously he had that, like, weird little thing with KZ. I mean, they even kind of look like, they even kind of look like each other, right? I, I made the meme. 
the, the who are you, I'm you, but stronger thing. And I, I was, it was literally like five minutes before I went to the store. And I'm like, it's, it, it's kind of ironic because like, that, yeah, like when I was, when I was originally doing my first round of Dragon Gate research, almost everyone who had anything to say about KZ were like, yeah, he's like really, really similar to this wrestler who used to wrestle here named Brother Yashi. And that's how I actually knew who he was when he came back. Because because of the, so many times his name was mentioned in with KZ, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll look up who he is, too. And I made the joke to Jules, um, and I even looked back in my Twitter history to see when it was. On January 19th, this poster came up on my timeline, and he was on it. And I'm like, oh, look, he looks so good. That's great for him. And then he shows up, and I'm like, God, I accidentally summoned him. I can't believe this. <laughs> And I, oh, so and I, so. By the way, I missed this. By the way, um, you remember? Did you did you just mention your poster you put up? What poster? Remember of the of the uh, Yashi 15th anniversary show in Kyoto? Yeah, I saw those pictures. Um, I'm pretty sure I, they're on my Twitter somewhere. So, so 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 she put Saki this. Went there. Um, yes, I was about to mention this. So I think this might have been the impetus that brought everything back together. Is so Shane posted on his, on his uh, private account a few weeks ago this poster of the Brother Yashi 15th anniversary celebration show in Kyoto. I was shocked when I saw Yoshino and Sachi on that poster. Like, I could not believe they were going to Yashi's T2P show. So I sh- in hindsight, I should have known something was up then, because even the fact that the Dragon Gate guys were willing to go to his show, even... Even the fact that they were like Yoshino and Sachi were both close to him, I think from the T2P. Yeah. I mean Yoshino and Sa- Yashi were both they were a tag team originally, but um, so yeah, so they went so they went to his show, and I don't know if they finally like completely buried the hatchet there. Maybe maybe Shima went to backstage or something, but whatever whatever the deal is, they went to his show, and then a week later Yashi's back. I don't think that's a coincidence, you know. Oh no, I told I told Jules it's kind of funny. It like I like I mean everyone assumed Monster Express was going to lose this match, and it almost feels like this was going to be Yoshino's like little bit of dig at Doi because Doi looked really really mad even before Brother Yashi started like making fun of him and Yamato, which he did something fierce. And I was when I saw the translations, I was like, I can't believe this. But Doi <laughs> looked really mad the entire time he saw him here, and I'm like, oh, it must be it must be so hard. The jealousy must be so hard to bear. When your old partner bring ba- brings back his old partner, and now you gotta like deal with the emotions, but he did really look mad, and it was it was so, it was so cute because like they had to hold him back, and Katoka just looked hopelessly lost, like he didn't understand who this was or what was going on. Katoka <laughs> was just like, just who is that this little puppy man? face? Like, what's going on? Why is why is there a larger KZ here? <laughs> and, he, and he and brother brother Yashi, he looked good. Um, I showed I actually showed my friend Nicole. Um. I showed my friend Nicole the gif of his entrance that was on Twitter because I'm like, and and even Nicole was like, could could feel like his presence through a gif. So like, you know, he came out, he looked good, he got in the ring. He and KZ had their little moment, which was precious because it needed to happen. If you're gonna have them in the ring together, they need to happen. He's like, oh, I remember you from TV. You can rap and you like hip hop. I think we're gonna get along fine. And I'm like, that's so cute. It was just an adorable moment. I agree. Um, I, real so fast, to get real our... fast. I want to backtrack for one second and go back to that initial Aganisu split from Dragon Gate. So Jay did a series of timeline podcasts um, a few years ago, and unfortunately those are no longer on iHeartDG. You can email Jay and he'll send you those timeline podcasts. They range from the inception of Torimon to 
2007. That's when he stopped doing them. It's a shame that he never really got all the way through uh, what he thought he was initially going to do. But um, so that news broke of Aganisu being in trouble on New Year's Eve. And Jay tells the story of he's getting ready to go out uh, and party on New Year's Eve when he sees that. It gets so distracted that he never goes out on New Year's and spends his entire night just researching what's going on with Aganisu. And so not only was loyalty an issue there, but if you look at their booking the second half of 2004, once the split happened, they went from being this fear team in Torimon uh, that was main eventing all these shows and Kondo was on fire and you had Taru and it was this great unit. And then by the end of 2004, they were definitely an afterthought in the booking and certainly weren't being as pushed as hard in the post-split beginning of Dragon Gate era. So I believe that's what led to a lot of their frustration there. And then obviously something happened at Fan Appreciation Day and things escalated from there. But I just want to throw that out there. And if you have any interest in learning a lot about Dragon Gate, email Jay for those shows because they're fantastic. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of surprised that um, Yagi brought up the controversy. He didn't say what happened, yeah. but he said you're you leaving was controversial. You coming back is not going to be without controversy. You know, you have to prove that you're really in it for this. And Yashi's like, I'd even shave my head, which is a big deal because those dreadlocks. Like, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to make mean, him do that. Of course not. Who would do that? The, that sure's <laughs> iconic already. But, like, the fact that he was, like, willing to say that, you know, proves a point. And now he and Yoshino are going to team against Yamato and Doi. But I still love that, like... I can't wait for that match, by the way. That, oh that match is going to be amazing. I can't wait to see <laughs> if they... if um Because I did. I did go back and dig out dig up what I could of him in Dragon Gate. Because once I did actually start learning about him, I'm like, oh, he's really interesting. Let's see, you know, what else, what all's back there here that I can find. And he, he and Yoshino were, were great together. So it should be a good match. But, man, when he started making fun of it, like, I don't know who you are, Yamato. I've never heard of you. It's like, oh, Doi, I remember you when you wore these terrible white pants. And Doi was like, oh, we're going to fight right now. Like, he got so mad. And they were, like, holding him back. Even Yamato was like, no, 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 not right now. Not right now. Yeah, so, right so Doi, so we've been, we've been teasing him, but that he was like, he said things to Doi. What he said to Doi was, he remembers him as a second baseman wearing white pants that look like a big diaper. Now he's supposedly some big tough heel, if you say so. I was like, oh my god. He's so, he just came in there and dragged him, and I'm like, oh my god. I mean, to, to Sukarera did the same thing to him when he came, when he came back in 2009. It, it was arguably even funnier then, because when Sukarera came back, Doi was like the unbeatable Dreamgate ace. And Sukarera comes back and is like, what is second Doi doing as the Dreamgate champion? Because that's how they all knew him. They all knew him as this weird baseball gimmick. Like Doi in T2P slash early his early Toyomon Dragon Gate run was not a big deal. He was just some weird little baby face who had a baseball gimmick. It wasn't until he turned heel and first of all dropped the second part of his name and then then turned heel a couple weeks later and joined Blood Generation right at its inception. Then Doi started becoming a big deal. But so all these T2P people who haven't been around in years, they know him as a as this stupid little babyface character, you know? So it's always funny when they come back and they're like, second doy, what is going on here? He was so mad, too. Like, they had to hold him back the entire time. Like, he kept trying to come forward, and they're like, no, 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 not right now. We just had two matches. You don't need to do this right now. But he was like, he was ready to go. He's like, no, we're, we're going to go right now. How dare you bring that up? <laughs> How dare you bring up my diaper? <laughs> It's so funny um, I, so always, yeah. I always thought that Doi's like trunks that he wears right now 
are kind of diaper-like. <laughs> Maybe he just likes diapers, okay? That's, the male we are own. not going to get into the weird things <laughs> right now. Yeah, no, that's what Twitter's for. <laughs> we All right, so spelled that this morning from eight o'clock, haven't we, Jules? It got too real too fast this morning. All right, I don't even remember what we did, and I'm not sure I want to. <laughs> okay, um, so GM Yagi, or your guy, or I, I can never pronounce his name. So he came out and made the match. Um, he literally I, popped up out out of the side of the ring. Where did he come from? Like he literally like just popped up, and I'm like, okay, now he like pops up out of the ground. I guess in Dragon Gate, the referees just pop out from under the ring. So, so after after that thing, Monster Express and the others introduced themselves. Tazawa noted they had met before when he was a trainee, and they even had a few car rides together. Um, so, they, but he did a, he did a formal introduction anyway because it's been a long time. Um, Yashi introduced himself as a seventh term graduate from Kyoto. Shimizu introduced himself as Yuki Shimizu from Osaka, leading to Yoshino berating him for casually revealing his previously unrevealed real name. That was so that cute. That was hilarious. Though. That was so cute. He's like, oh, no, stop. What are you doing? Shimizu, so Shimizu doing that. And then um, T-Hawk doing it as well was just yeah. so cute. It was so cute. They look, they look so nervous. They they look like so nervous and I'm like that's so precious. Look at the children getting all flustered and they forget they're supposed to use their work names. <laughs> it was a, so like I said the, the the I like I said my favorite moment from that was when Casey introduced himself and they it's like oh hey I remember you you know I know you like hip hop we're gonna get along and I'm like finally these two get to meet and have interaction and it that's like such a great moment because like I, I can't, can't I can't wait. I can't wait until they're either on the same team or they're. They better together. have a tag. They better if they better tag together at least one time because if you that would be such a waste to not do that because like I said I know who he is because everybody said that KZ's gimmick was so similar to his and I'm like well I guess I'm gonna go see who he is and figure this out and then and like it, it would be so cute it's only too bad that KZ doesn't have the dreadlocks anymore because then they would be matching. <laughs> All right, so. Um... So KZ and Shimizu then closed the door in the Diahards era, thanked the fans for supporting them. They basically both said they were going to continue. Shimizu admitted this was all his fault and apologized. And said Dia was his first unit and he'll ever think, forever think of the best one. So that closed the door on an emotional, shocking, and fantastic Kirk and Hall show. Yeah. Like what a run Dragon Gate's been on so far in 2016, right? I asked when I when I was before right before the match I contacted Voices of Wrestling to see if they would let me write the farewell piece to whichever stable lost and like I when I sent that message I'm like I'm gonna have to write this really sad thing about Monster Express I'm gonna hurt myself and then Dia lost and I'm like in a way this hurts a little bit more because it was so unexpected like we had yeah. so much time to brace for Monster Express we were like okay you know we we had already in fact we had already moved on from the fact that they were gonna disband. We were already charting their careers into the future, and then it didn't end up happening. And it was like that. It kind of hurts a little bit because we really didn't expect it to be Dia that we were going to lose, and it's like really sad. So let's talk. I want to keep that theme because it's a great theme. But um, so we're going to talk about Dia in a second. Really quickly, I just want to throw out since all the, the two matches we just talked about, they're the first two matches for the March second Cork and Hall show. We have Tozawa, Sachihoko Boy, and T Hawk of Monster Express teaming up with the unaffiliated now, Big R Shimizu and KZ, to take on Shingo, Naoki, Cyber Kong, 
Mondai Ryu and Kotoka of Berserk. So that should be a fun 10-man tag. Yeah. And then you have Dorian Yamato against Yoshino and Vadayashi. That's so, going to be insane. That is going to be crazy. So those are two matches confirmed for the next Kurikan. So now, um, does anyone have any final thoughts on this Kurikan show before we move on to Dia? Just watch those last two matches. Let's move on to yep. Dia Hearts. So Dia Hearts, now. Um, first of all, like Shane said, I think none of us were expecting them to be the team that lost. So it is it is pretty shocking. I've had a weird reaction with this all day today and all day yesterday where I wanted them to lose. I wanted to keep Monster. But now that he is gone, I do feel weirdly sad about it. And it feels like it's almost like you didn't know what we had until it was gone. You know, yeah. that old cliche. And it's like now suddenly we don't have KZ in these in this wacky gold and silver jumpsuit. We don't have Big R Shimizu and his giant like diamond attire or whatever. We don't have Mochi and Dragon Kid as their mentors. It's just, I really gonna, I, I'm shocked by how much I'm gonna miss them. Like they were a way more effective unit than I thought they were in hindsight. It's so, so. it's so weird that um, Hulk would ne- never got to have another match in Dia Hearts after the injury because now they're gone. Because we all expected they're not gonna get rid of Dia Hearts because Hulk needs a unit to come back to when he's not injured anymore, and. Now they're gone, so, like, even he's left unitless, which is weird, because he's going to come back without anything, and that's such, you know, a sad little thing to think about. Like, yeah, it's his fault that it happened for baiting Berserk, because then Doi, like, directly contributed to Dia Hearts losing, because he helped Yamato pin KZ, but, like, it's sad that Hulk's going to come back from this injury that's kept him out for so long to nothing. He's all on his own again, and it's so sad, because uh, Dia Hearts was like, it was Hulk. It was, you know, that was, you know, Hulk was Dia Hearts personified. And that was his big thing after leaving Bad Blanky and dealing with that feud and everything. And moving on, Dia Hearts was what he started and what he founded with Mochizuki. And now it's gone. And it's really sad that it had to happen this way and that he couldn't be there with them to wrestle, to try to fight in the end because he was still injured. Yeah. It's the... They're, in hindsight, I think the unit was effective, even though we lost Hulk pretty, you know, in after only like a year of unit activity. But um, if I'm going to remember Dia for anything, I'm going to remember it for launching Samiju's career, really like taking it into another level after he dropped the Rio, the uh, manga gimmick. The Rio and then, gimmick. Yeah. So- and then like... And then, he, so he dropped that, it really helped Shimizu get to another, to another level, even though he did a lot of jobs in the second half of the year last year, I still feel like he's at a different level now, and it really helped KZ, it got KZ back into a place where after he was a heel for seven or eight years, it helped KZ get back on the babyface side of the roster, it really, like, rehabilitated his image, and I think, if D is remembered for anything, I'll remember it for helping KZ really get back to the KZ that I think we all know and love. Yeah. And at the very least, we're, I don't think we're going to lose that. Like, I don't think they're going to heel turn him again after that. Like that, they, that better, would, they better fucking not. That, that would be such a mistake, and I just don't see Dragon Gate doing something that stupid. But it really did, like, bolster. I think more than anyone else, it really bolstered KZ. Because you, you we, we got to see all that energy and charisma and what made him so lovable. And then everybody got to love him because like I said, they were waiting for the excuse. The fans were waiting for the excuse to get behind him. And then they finally got it when they turned him face and it worked really well for him. 
And like I said, they like I I'm gonna miss the silver and the gold and especially on North Tri because I feel like that color scheme worked so well for them and I don't feel like they're gonna be able to use that color scheme now. Like, I really like their theme song too. But yeah, Dia had a really good theme song. Uh, I, I will, I will say this much, and I told this to Jules. I'm kind of glad we didn't lose Monster Express because the last piece of Uha Nation that we really have in Dragon Gate is their theme song. Because it's his voice at the very beginning, and I was like, it's going to be really sad if they lose, and the last piece of Uha that we have left in that song is gone. But we haven't, so like that's that's a nice thing. So, what do you think, Jules? What's your final feelings on Dia? Jules? Yeah, I'm here. Um, okay. I just, I don't have any, like, really, like, well-built thoughts right now, because I never expected this. And, I mean, I'm re- I really hope that this, um, the death of Dia Hearts doesn't send Casey, like, to the depths of the undercard. Like, that would be, for me, the worst thing that you could possibly do. But I'm just looking, like, looking to the future. I don't know what they're going to do with any of them. I, I, like, I, I think, I think KZ might go to Monster Express, though. I feel like that's a real thing that might happen. Yeah, I agree. But, and, um, um, if, you know, because with, with Monster Express, if Monster Express had disbanded, we already had, like, kind of a feeling of what, what could have happened for, at least for Tozawa. Now, I don't know what they're going to do with Casey. I don't know what they're going to do with Mochi or with Dragon Kid. And I absolutely have no fucking idea what they're going to do with Hulk. I think Hulk's going to be okay when he comes back because it, it's BB Hulk. Dragon Gate has, you know, ever since they built him back up as the big baby face, you know, leaving Mad Blanky, Hulk's been pretty fine. So, like, I think, you know, he he might be unitless for a while. He might, you know, but, I mean, I think he'll be okay on his own when he comes back because he's going to catapult right back to the top. You know, it might take him a little time. He's going to get back to the top where he has been for a very long time in and out of the title picture. It just might be without a unit for a while. So, I think Hulk's going to be okay. Here's a wacky suggestion. What about What about Don Fuji and Maria as, like, cornerstones of a new unit with Hulk. I was actually going to bring that up um, when we talk about um, what to do with the ex-members of Dia Hearts. I guess we can just segue into that. Um, Because I saw a few people talk about it and I actually agree with the concept of a unit with um, Fuji, Maria, Dragon Kid, and Mochi. And that was the initial four that were getting thrown around a lot on the Twitter um, yesterday yeah. after, after the match. And I would personally, what I would do would take, I, I would take Mochi Fuji, um, I would take Maria, of course, uh, Dragon Kid, if you want to have him in a unit. I don't think that that's necessarily the guy that really, that you need to be in a unit and that needs to be in a unit. But you can take Mochi Fuji, Dragon Kid, Maria, um, and I would personally put UT in it as well. If you don't turn him heel, which could be very interesting, and I, I, I'm like 50-50 on that. If you don't turn UT heel, I think you put him in that unit if that unit happens. I think we're long overdue with the unit where Maria and Hulk are in the same unit together. Um, 
there's a there's a, there's a lot of similarities between them. Like there, there's a lot, you know, there's a similar like there's a similar aesthetical value between them, and I think that they would work very well together in a unit. I feel like that's something that uh, they need to jump on now that they actually have the chance to do it. We were even talking about her joining Dia Hearts when we were assuming Monster Express was going to be the group that was broken up. But um, at the very least now, with all these unaligned members, one of the things we were talking about was that Monster Express is extremely depleted in their group numbers. But now they have people they can pick up. And if Brother Yashi is going to continue to be associated with them, which I assume he is, because I assume he's there to work with Yo- with Yoshino above all, then yeah, you need to keep KZ with Monster Express because like how you, you don't want to separate those two. That's a gold mine right there. That's a moment you need to happen. And I think KZ's got the charisma and the attitude for Monster Express. So I feel like that he needs to go there. That's yeah, the place I, he needs to be. There's no other group that he needs to be in except for that one. I, I completely agree. I don't think... I, I think KZ really... They really need to put him back in a unit because if they don't, it's just going to be... Nothing's going to happen to him if he's not it's, in a unit. He's, he's just going to be directionless in the same way that UT is. Um... <laughs> But so yeah, I completely agree with Casey and Monster Express. I think that's probably the most logical thing that could come out of this. Um, and I just want to add something to the idea of a unit with um, Mochi, Fuji, Maria, Dragon Kid, maybe Hulk, maybe UT. If you decide to go with Mochi, Fuji, and Maria and UT, I'm afraid of what you could, what concepts you could give to that unit that wouldn't just end up being over Generation 2.0. That's true. That's a unit that I would love to see happen, but I don't know what kind of concept they would have because they would either be Dia Hearts 2.0 or Over Generation 2.0. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I know a lot of people want Mochizuki in a new unit, but I don't know. Maybe let him and Dragon Kid go for a little bit. Like, yeah. let, let them, you know, let them tag together. You know, they, they're, they're best friends. Let them spend a little time working things out, you know, on their own. Maybe let them come together and tag a little bit. Keep, you know, they don't need to be in a unit right now. Like, because I don't, I don't feel like, obviously Mochi had his title match against Shingo, but I don't feel like there's any need to push them very hard right now. So I feel like they could go without a unit for a while. I mean, Mochi won a unit for years. Yeah, so he's, he's fine. Dragon Kid's fine. I mean, they're not going to do anything with Dragon Kid anyway. So, but yeah, get KZ and Monster Express. I think that, um, I don't know what the concept would be for a group with, but I think if they let uh, Fuji and Maria lead the group, I think they could keep it from being over-generation, because over-generation is led by Shima and Gamma. Um, and everybody else is just pretty much second tier to them. But like, I don't know, I don't know, and like, uh, Shimizu, um, everyone's saying heel turn for him. And I don't think so now, the Shadow Realm. I don't think he's going to turn heel anymore. I don't either. I, he I was just, too emotional at the end of that match. I feel yeah. like they could have turned him during the match, but, like, they didn't, so. Um, I, I think because both Shingo and Kong are heels, I think Big R Shimizu has to stay as a, as a baby face. I actually, I actually had the theory at one point that if Cyber Kong does turn face and leaves Berserk, then it would not be a bad idea to turn Shimizu heel and slot him into Berserk. Now, I know he and Shingo have their problems, but it wouldn't be the first time that two people who don't like each other settled their differences to be in a unit together. Like, there's a lot of history. But I don't think I don't think the Kong turn is helping, happening anymore anyway, so... Yeah, they kind of split him and Mondavari up, and nothing came of that. You know, like I, like I said, nothing was going to come of it, and nothing did come of it, so... Now <laughs> now Tanizaki has to suffer. I feel like we haven't heard from Case on this. Case, what did you think of Dia as a unit looking back on it? 
I like Dio a lot. Um, the big thing for me was how they elevated Big R's career. I mean, he had that awesome debut against Shingo, and then from there worked really hard. And I liked how the focus at times was on him. B.B. Um, Hulk's opened the Dreamgate run, which sort of kicked off Die Hard's really impressed me because I'm very hit or miss with BB Hulk and I didn't think I was going to like his reign as much as I did, but I ended up really liking it. Um, Mochi did great things. Dragon Kid did great things. Uh, Flamita, when he was there was a blast. I'm a huge Flamita fan. And I, I really hope someone texted Flamita. Yeah. <laughs> like I hope got backstage and we're like uh, on the phone, like uh, pal, listen, I got some bad news for you, but if you ever come back again, you're we we're not here anymore. You you have to bring a new pair of tights because the <laughs> not applicable to the situation. Uh, overall, I mean, great unit, and I think one of the I I already forget who said it, but the the idea of you didn't know you were gonna miss 